0: You have a lot-
1: vaccine or mra will ever flow through my fucking blood blood never i will fucking die fucking fighting for my father's and my fucking lineage.
2: fuck these motherfuckers Shut it, asa shut it, shut it. I'm just choking on I, my wife says it was a good idea to put spice mix on peanuts. <sighs> it is till it goes down the wrong way. Right folks. I'm Chair Warlord. Let's uh without further ado, let's get straight into it. How are you doing, bro? Oh god, let me tidy up my uh screen a little. Let's put that over there. I can have the chat on my face. And are you muted or
1: I just came off mute. Hey Kevin, oh. how you doing? I'm well, good. Uh,
2: how are you? It's been a while. Yeah, it's
1: been been great. I've uh, been uh good talking to you again. Mm, mm. Um, I'm trying
2: to think. The last time we we spoke was January. It's
1: been a it's
2: been a while. Yeah, I think it was back in January. We we don't talk nearly enough. No, no. It's uh I, I mean I I run through your Discord as a sort of no. <laughs> right. Well, what's what's going on? And then I've got I've got so much stuff that I've got I'm covered in spicy curry mix everywhere. <laughs> Yeah
1: you've been doing all, you've been
2: uh, streaming constantly. I
1: apologize I have been able to watch much but
2: uh it's uh it's uh, can I say labor of love? I don't know about that. Um I feel like my job is kind of done with respect to the science now and now I'm now I'm just a civilian watching the
1: <laughs> well, but... well watching the uh, watching the <laughs> world order cave in on itself.
2: Mm, yeah, but very much so now. I can remember the last time we were speaking, Bakhmut was gearing up. I think.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that was before they uh, before they took Solidar. That was back in because it was January. They did that in February. Mm-hmm. And
2: I, I I sort of I, I remember the as we were sort of wrapping up the stream. It was well, we'll we'll see how how this develops across into Bakhmut and my my non-military assumption because like i say i've got a very limited view of the mechanics of what goes on on the ground was that uh a, a mid-sized city like that would have would have fallen quicker than it has done and the uh, someone just put in the chat just now that 10,000 Men a week, are dying. On the Ukrainian side, that doesn't include Russians, obviously.
1: Um, I wouldn't call it ten thousand. I'd say maybe maybe half that, but it, it's certainly a alarmingly large. Number.
2: It that's huge, right? That, I mean, what was the deaths in Afghanistan, Iraq? I doubt if they racked up
1: that. In, uh, I mean, that's that's like the entire Iraq war in one week. Yeah, that's. I uh, think there was a total about 5,000 American soldiers killed in the entire Iraq war. Right, and that was, what, eight, nine years? Uh, yeah, it was uh, 2003 to, to uh, 2011. Mm. Now, in fairness, most of them were, most of those casualties were between 2003 and 2007, but...
2: And th- this this was it. when they cottoned onto IEDs, right, and really, yeah. really went to town with them. Um, so i mean as a artilleryman yourself is is there any surprises has has the has the tempo kept up with what you would expect or what what, what were you expecting well i'd say the uh,
1: i guess i'd say that i was expecting uh well <laughs> i'll say that the progress the russians have been making has been, has been quite slow it, it's progress but it's not um it is by no means rapid progress and i think this is i mean a lot of this is because the the ukrainians have sort of decided they're going to hold the current line at almost any cost so they, they've um so they've been pushing a lot of troops to the very front line which is militarily not that smart about not that smart because it As you've seen, it produces extreme, you know, very bad casualties for them, um, extreme casualties. But uh, what it what it has done is it's prevent them from losing a lot of land. Um, Now, the over now I was expecting personally the Russians to launch an offensive at some point over the winter. Um, They've, I mean, they completed. I mean, they they basically doubled the size of their army recently um, over. Uh, that partial mobilization they did six months ago back in September. Yeah. Uh, that was you know adding another three hundred thousand men to the rolls. which I mean their their pre-war army was only about three hundred and sixty thousand men. So that's a I mean, it was effectively doubling the size of their army. and um, so I mean, I, I kind of expected as soon as they were done with that, and as soon as they were done with that in December, they'd be launching an offensive in the sometime over the winter um i think what's hap i think what's happening is uh the russians probably decided not to do that because they're not um i think because they're back in russia uh, back in russia proper um take really you know additional training and training at, like a very large scale of be sort of a core and field army scale that i mean what that is you don't generally see outside of wartime so they, they sort of need to stand up all these very large units and then train them up to fight and that probably pushed their um i think that's pushed their operational plan their their sort of plans to launch an offensive into the into the spring
2: so i mean the question i would ask is do, do they need to pull a full offensive to take ukraine why why would they want to take ukraine because that means essentially a full occupation whereas right now I, I could I could see the merit of well all all the time your enemy is dropping troops on top of your machine guns um, and artillery and it's in it's in the area that they've potentially um, <laughs> they've they've uh, excised uh, basically, it basically, from yeah, from I, I
1: think I, I think I get what you're saying which is you're 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 saying basically well, why why attack at all when the enemies want to come to you? Mm.
2: And um, why 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 would they go beyond the Donbass when
1: well I, I think the I think it's necessary uh if the Russians want to end the war. Now it might not it might not actually be necessary, and you might actually be right. Um I've certainly I've certainly considered that the Russians may serve, may simply hold what they've got and wait for Ukraine to simply, Ukraine and the West to simply run out of steam, which is certainly a possibility. Hmm. Uh, I think that would, On the other hand, if you look at some of the demands the Russians have been making recently, one of their, uh, their deputy foreign minister came out uh, quite recently and I'll I'll have to say I can find his remarks, but he came out quite recently with a fairly, fairly nasty list of demands that they, they're looking for now. Okay. um, I haven't seen this. to, To end the war um that i mean i think they're going to uh have to attack at some point okay
2: mm. um I like i say i don't know enough i, I always feel um I'm, i make huge assumptions about the nature of the battlefield that probably are not um not warranted um because I, like, like i say i don't know the the mechanics of it and just the
1: so, well i mean i'd say to sort of answer your introductory question so i mean it's, it's april it's uh april 2nd for you april april 1st for me right now and i mean the battle of bachman has been going on since really last august <laughs> it's, it's been going on for a long long time um and i mean a lot of that is because the and the the reason for this is because the forces throughout this entire process have actually been fairly evenly matched um ukrainians have been willing to throw i mean they've been they've been running mass conscription and for they've been running mass conscription just standing up new troops and throwing them into the area and the russians have been uh i mean the, the russians are not um they're not conscripting to that level. They have a they're, they've been using a lot more firepower and sort of a lot less troops.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But they're um they're certainly a, you know they're in a lot of ways attacking with a smaller force, um, a smaller force with more firepower. Mm-hmm. And the Ukrainians are coming back at that with they, a they're just pushing more troops into holding the area. Nice and honestly, they, they, yeah. But plus, I mean, the Ukrainians they want to they want to advance themselves. They've been. Um, for a lot of this period, they were trying to they were trying to attack themselves and push the Russians out of the Donbass. So,
2: well, is, is that uh, a possibility? I've seen footage of supposed NATO vehicles in Ukraine. Uh, Zaporozhye is being talked about. I don't know why they would talk about it so openly, but so, uh,
1: uh, I'll, I'll explain this here. Um, so the. There is, uh, and I, I didn't quite go into this earlier, but there has been talk recently of, um, I mean, the, the Ukraine plan, to, plan is to yeah, win the war on the ground, um, which is, uh, I think, the same thing the Russians want to do. <laughs> but, so the Ukrainians want to push the Russians completely out of Ukraine. And in order to do that, they're going to have to not just, not just attack, but to launch some pretty large offensives. And where basically there's been two, and people have also been thinking, um, I mean, a lot of people have been thinking the russians okay they've finished their mobilization they're going to attack well people have also been thinking that the ukrainians who have uh been continually mobilizing troops and have also received a lot of new uh new weaponry from the west recently and um, they recently finally uh got like western tanks which was a big psychological thing for them was they they finally got um after some kind of chicanery by <laughs> some kind of chicanery by the United States, honestly, they finally got the uh, got the Europeans to give them a bunch of, like, leopard tooth stuff, which people are saying, okay, they're going to mass all these uh, new, you know, all these uh, fresh troops and uh, Western equipment, and they're going to go with the Russians. Um, I, so, and what, what an area that's been, that's been mooted for this is Zaporizhia, which, uh, let me share my screen, actually. Yeah, can let me do- just
2: switch on screen sharing. Oh. Hang on one second. Uh, Boom, that should work. Okay. Is working?
1: Oh okay, here we go. So <laughs> making sure I'm sharing my uh sharing the correct thing. Right, right. yeah. <laughs> here we go. Okay. Okay, so uh, so this is the let me sort of zoom in here on the southern Ukraine, uh southern Ukraine area. So, where they're looking at attacking here is basically between, um, is basically this area of the front line here um, uh, between uh, really uh, Zaporizhia and Donetsk. So this this southern this southern uh, ledge here, and the reason for this I think is pretty um, pretty apparent. That once uh if they can attack and drive a wedge down to the Sea of Azov, I mean the sort of Burgansk uh, Mariupal area, then that would do a couple of things for them. First of all, it would split the Russian, it would uh split the Russian uh occupied area here in two, which would create you know very significant problems with retaining this area here to here to the west. Also, uh it would cut off one of the supply routes going into uh, going into this western area here in Kherson in into the Crimea. Now, I'm just trying to look ahead. for
2: a, a scale on that map. I'm just I just want to. What's the distance between the coast and uh, Zakharov? Uh, oh, it's,
1: it's about 150 kilometers. So it's not about down, 100 miles. Not that far, is it? It's really not that far. Um, mm. I mean, Ukraine's a big country, but it's also it's not that big of a country. Mm. Um, it's, so, it's one of the. It's a large European country. I'd call it. <laughs> The, um,
2: so you, you, mentioned the weapons and the, obviously the recent ruha about the drone getting taken down. Um, could you, from my perspective, you know, Maggie Thatcher set the precedent with you, you do a operation, you you set a 200 mile exclusion zone around where your uh, troops are operating. And, uh, it won't be tied anyone that steps in, um, the, that drone, um, what capabilities did it have and how much would it have been helping
1: Ukrainian troops on the ground? So what that, uh, so that drone was an MQ nine Reaper, which let me, uh, let me bring this, uh, so, uh, which was a, no, it's basically a developed predator, uh, sort of a, a, upgrade on the, the old predator drone. And it's a. Um, and when it was when it was down, it wasn't carrying any weapons, but it appeared to have been carrying a sensor pod of some kind, probably some kind of a radar or um, electronic intelligence pod. Mm-hmm. Now, where this drone was down was actually um, down near Sebastopol here, and actually, this is this is an, a uh, this is something which is kind of interesting because um, let me uh, or I guess I'll just describe this. So this is actually something kind of interesting, which is that. So when this drone was dra- was uh, was taken down, it was only about it was pretty close to Crimea. I think it was only about uh, forty miles uh, south, basically southwest of Sevastopol. It was quite close, mm-hmm. and the Ukrainians had been mounting a uh, fairly. Um, oh, let, let me back up a little bit here. So the interesting, the, the funny thing about this is that your uh, U- U.S. European Command. Um, it, uh, when when they were asked about where this where this drone's location was by like CNN, um, they told CNN this drone was much further south. It was down basically in the middle of the Black Sea, hmm. um, and that that's that's what CNN depicted on the map. However, what however as it turned out, the drone was much much closer to Crimea than uh, than CNN depicted, and as near as I can tell, what what uh, UCOM told. Uh, told CNN. So mm. I mean, it turned out that basically UConn was lying about where this drone was. Um, well, shocked. Is, yeah, yeah, shocked, right? <laughs> that that uh, US European command would just lie to the press like that. And, and the, the stupid thing was that, that this was, they released the damn video on the drone on the drone right afterwards and it showed people were able to go through the video and figure out where this drone was, and it showed it was much closer to Crimea than they claimed. Right, you, it was. Could, you
2: could see land,
1: right? If I, if yeah, I you think... could see land very clearly. It was yeah. quite close. Um, and uh, and here, you know, Sankha, or, uh, UConn was claiming this thing was halfway to Romania. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, there, there has been a lot of,
2: well, a lot, but there's been fairly um, accurate strikes, I want to say, at, at Crimea. Over the last few months, so
1: yeah, yeah. so well, let me let me go into that actually. So uh, this drone here was uh, snooping around Sevastopol, and the Russians have all kinds of all kinds of defenses. Plus, this, I mean, Sevastopol is their major naval base in the region. They have all kinds of defenses here, and the uh, the Ukrainians have been over the last several months launching uh, strike after strike after strike after strike at uh, Crimea. Um, now, most of these strikes, I'd say, in fact, almost all of these strikes have been successful. The only, um, the only one they had, which was uh, which was somewhat successful, was when they, um, well, they, they've had two successful strikes. Um, one was when they uh, literally did a suicide truck bombing, like the bridge, ISIS-style yeah. suicide truck bombing on the Crimean bridge, and they managed to uh, to. Uh, Damage it. That was back in October, and um, back in July, I want to say this was last summer. They got some uh, sabotage teams uh, into Crimea, and they were able to um, like basically blow up some uh, an arms depot at a Russian airfield near Sevastopol. Right, I I remember. But there, that was quite the yeah, it was it was quite 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 the boom. Um, I commented on that at the time, Um, but the. Uh, but I mean, really, their only successful uh, attempts have been uh, by sort of um, you could characterize them as sort of uh, sort of uh, sabotage or um, to be uncharitable, terrorist methods uh, in Crimea. But they've also been launching uh, drones, um, basically across the across the sort of north northwest portion of the Black Sea. Here, they've been launching drones, uh, both aerial and naval drones, um, at sort of at the Russian positions in the Crimea fairly frequently um so, and usually what usually what people sort of think happens is the uh is the U.S will fly UAVs near Crimea and often while this is happening to sort of uh um, sort of get intelligence of what the Russians are doing uh, while this and uh, sort of what what their defenses look like right so it, it's pretty obvious that these attacks are being these sort of drone attacks uh, are being at the, the very least, observed and likely direct. In fact, I'm, let, let's not cut, let's not be around the bush here. The, the U.S. is providing targeting for these things via. You
2: have to think so, okay. right? That, yeah. What What other reason is that?
1: Ryan, well, well, and the, the thing is that that we've we've admitted this recently, which is the uh, most of the uh, like. All the, high, the uh, MLRS systems we gave to we gave to the Ukrainians, the uh, the HIMARS systems and so on, which HIMARS is a type of MLRS launcher. But all these you know, precision missile systems we gave to the Ukrainians, much of the targeting for those goes through UCOM headquarters. And we admitted this in the press recently. Like so, it a lot of the the missile strikes the Ukrainians are doing, they're literally giving us the targeting data, and we're we're feeding this through our systems and giving it back to us. <laughs> like it's.
2: And people, this, people this, wonder this, why
1: the yeah. Russians are pissed. <laughs> yeah, people want... Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> this is... This is, like, our, our claim we're not a party to the conflict here. We're just some some neutral observer helping, you know... Just, just helping out democratic Ukraine here is... It's, yeah. It, it's more very, very thin. It's <laughs> just the... It's like, yes, we're, we're just giving the Ukrainians all of our weapons, and also we're doing all of their, like, back-end targeting procedures for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's...
2: uh. Oh, it, it's, the, only, the only next step is just putting troops on the ground, right? And from what I'm hearing today, or yesterday, I think, I, I want to say it was
1: the Iran guys who were talking about Europe. European yeah, the, the Hungarians came out about that recently. I think the Hungarians were saying, well, there's there's talk about, like, injecting European peacekeepers in Ukraine, which... I can't um, see Russia just saying they, they, wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't react very well to that
2: i don't think so uh, not all the time that there's active conflict i think if there was uh um a pretense towards peace and negotiation and that this is just the uh, it's very frustrating from my perspective that the west's position has been we are not going to the negotiating table
1: oh, and... oh it's, it's crazy i mean it, it's more like than just not not negotiating It's it's taking like the institutions of the West, um, things like, you know, the, the European institutions, the, o, the OSCE, the, um, you yeah, know, the, uh, and actually I want to talk about the international criminal court a little bit here, but, um, the, uh, the, the OSCE, uh, the international criminal court, the international monetary fund, um, like the, the various European funding mechanisms and so on, um, like the, the European peace fund, you know, peace fund, um, it, you know, before the war, it was. I'm, I'm not sure what it was used for. It certainly wasn't being used to buy war material. And the yeah, European color, color revolutions
2: been, for those Arabs, we don't care about those. We can... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely.
1: <laughs> I mean, the, and so they've been uh, the European Peace Fund has just turned into a mechanism for the EU to fund a, fund you know military buildups. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the International Monetary Fund recently. By the way changed its rules because the imf used to not not lend to countries that were war um oh, so, so they, they changed change the them rules. for ukraine yeah they changed it for ukraine now they're giving ukraine like a 15 billion dollar loan which of course is never going to be paid back no they're we just, pay it just... back yeah yeah it'll be, be paid back by rich western taxpayers <laughs> mm. Mm. it's uh it's a
2: stunning sting and con operation all wrapped up in in one for the the people of europe and america i guess and I, like i said i've riled and um constantly well I, I i think this comes down to media control but i'm i'm stunned at the lack of anti-war um sentiment coming out onto the the streets of europe no. particularly I think I think yeah, I mean it's
1: crazy. I mean there was a a small anti-war rally in uh, in DC a little while ago Mm-mm-mm. which was criticized all the hell by all of the uh, all the people who if the United States had I don't know gone and invaded some country um would be screaming and raging about us being evil. <laughs> mm.
2: Yeah, it's 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 a bizarre world where suddenly the the, the cycle left who are traditionally anti-war have have piled on um, and, and I, I guess that's just a reflection of the fact that the, the color of uh party at the top is it, it's window dressing for these uh bureaucracies running everything. Uh,
1: yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you see all, all the people who you'd think would be uh skeptical of war or skeptical of the or you know, anti military, um, or and they're just they they, they can't get enough of. of of uh, the the West, um, I call it the neoliberal Russian killing project. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, like, trannies now can go round shooting uh, little kiddies and uh, <laughs> barely yeah. say a word now, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> then those uh, those peaceniks and uh, degenerates—they love guns now.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, they they certainly awesome.
1: love guns in Ukraine. <laughs> yeah.
2: You yeah. Can't, can't get enough of them. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's that's. Uh, what do? You, how much do you think of the? billions that gets allocated how much do you think that materializes on the ground
1: well i um this is well that's an interesting interesting uh, question i mean a lot of it actually goes actually a lot of it goes back into western companies must um, right. west, to just to buy war material to buy you know ammunition and you know ammunition weapons uh our vehicles and so on. i mean a lot of it just goes right right back into the west um some of that goes to ukraine as uh development grants which i understand pre- pretty much everything that has been given to ukraine for uh you know civil purposes has pretty much been turned around and used to buy a weapon around the black market mm. um some non trivial percentage of it gets put into gets you know siphoned off by corruption of course yeah. That's a, i mean i that, that I'd say, might... say like I, I mean i'd say that ukraine is certainly very corrupt but at the same time they're all they're not they're not so corrupt their state doesn't function they're not it's not afghanistan right, right. Um, they're and they're certainly uh legitimate enough to use to use military aid to buy buy weapons and not just put it into their bank accounts they're not mm. so um, I think to a certain extent, like the, the level to which Ukraine is corrupt, it's, it's certainly not a place you want to do business, but at the same time, they're also very, very interested in winning the war. Well, wow, unless,
2: unless you're a bio lab or, a yeah. fun. <laughs> they <laughs> <love> uh, they love Ukraine. <laughs> so yeah. the, the.
1: Well, I would say do business as a private entity if you're the U.S. government, that's something else entirely. Mm, mm, yeah. Well,
2: they say it's a long seedy story that Ditra and labs and, uh. What they've done there um yeah i've been meaning to ask you about that
1: uh, um as far as what's what's come out recently about that mm.
2: well um th- there's there's nothing particularly new per se but it, it's just the fact that th- there was this long-standing program since 2004 i want to say um where they were pushing these um surveillance laboratories quote-unquote surveillance laboratories into yep. into the country and um, the, the problem so, is...
1: So by a surveillance laboratory, I mean, what, what are they, I guess, what are they, what are they ostensibly supposed to be doing? Is this, is, because I mean, I'm, I've made the joke about cleaning up Soviet bio labs several times before, but I'm, I mean, it, it, I guess I'm just not sure what the, what these labs were intended to be doing beyond... So, so uh,
2: here's, here's what I, a quick synopsis of what I think so in the modern biowarfare context, what they're doing is they want to map the local biome for pathogens that can be leveraged into what they define as incapacitation agents. Right. And the Crimea is of particular interest because they have the tick borne Crimean Congo hemorrhagic fever. And that sounds nasty.
1: Oh
2: yeah it's <laughs> I want to kill her, you. Bleed out your oh, eyeballs and.
1: Oh God! Is that uh, endemic there? Or... Yeah,
2: yeah. And so the, the their excuses. Well, we're there to make sure that um, no one's doing anything uh, egregious with these uh, pathogens. But it just it's just turned out that what what happens is we we sample as diplomatic packages those samples get taken back to other labs, and then they can think about how they would um, deploy, best deploy the agent as a incapacitation um, agent, and then they develop the countermeasure for it. And so the, the idea being that if you can knock 50% of a battalion down onto their backside with a, terrible fever and what have you then and your troops are essentially immune you give them immunoglobulin of particular type send them in and they would be uh, able to function far better in the environment and I think that's a lot of how these programs are being um, used militarily and you know the the, the problem is, is you will never get you'll never get the well bureaucracies to admit what they've done right you can try FOIAing, what have you but they'll just say oh that's national security um none, none of your business peon back in your kill box
1: yeah it's it's a black hole mm. um, yeah it, 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 it wasn't you know, i mean if, if you're trying to get FOIA information out of the government even if they're even if they have to give it up it's it's a nightmare if they don't if they don't want to i mean you don't you have to sue them out. to get somebody like me to come in and mm. Mm. yeah yeah come in and have a legal battle with the government to to get them to release something I and mean, they can delay for decades quite yeah. easily yeah and
2: that's that's a strategy that we've seen deployed again and again in the last few years which is just kick the can down the road and people people just get tired and um you know another something else crazy will happen and that directs people's attention it's it's a very sophisticated manufacturing of perception and consent um you know to to steal a race from nam chomsky and um it's not just advertisers doing it it's governments linked with corporations that uh um that the profit from these uh, programs or, or I, I don't know i don't know if you could call the war in ukraine a, a program per se certainly uh, making a lot of people rich
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and um no, although it's yeah, it's one of those things where it, it's making a lot of people rich, but also it's making it's making all of us poor. And
2: mm, it's it's just wiping out
1: family um, lines. And th- this, I said the number- oh yeah, I mean, I mean, first of all, the I'm gonna I'm gonna go see uh, see um see to find this here while we're talking. There was a um like the U.N. did a study recently on what the population graph in Ukraine looks like, and it's it's horrifying. They've lost um this is even with the u.n likely cooking the books i mean the, ukraine has lost an enormous amount of its population particularly much of its like two-thirds of its younger population mm. uh, basically i'm not kidding two-thirds mm. of its younger population from you know 30 to 20. um yeah, it's see a like...
2: huge like i said i don't think people fully comprehend the impact that that has on uh generations going forward and uh, you know i can i can tell you as a european just you know there was uh well i was you know there was there's more there's more time now between when i was born and the second world war and now when i was uh born so uh, you, you know there's about, about roughly half i don't give my age away but um you know there was that that was sort of 25 30 years after the second world war ended right and that that the country was still very much scarred at that point, but I can remember growing up, people would talk about um, rations, and you, you know, <laughs> you get your school dinner shoved down your throat, and get a lecture about you—you got to eat that slop because um, it wasn't so long ago that um, people people were on rations, etc. And it it has it has very very long term um, consequences and impact. Where and Britain got off relatively lightly, you could argue compared to. Central Central Europe, where a lot of the, the campaigns took place through Germany and um, uh, France and Italy.
1: And oh yeah, I mean, like, I mean, in, I mean, I think Germany took had like five million. Had I mean, I think five million Germans died. It might have been, in fact, it might have just been five million Germans in the military died. you know, in the Wehrmacht. Mm. Uh, let alone civilian deaths mm. that's out of a population of i want to say 80 million at the time it was um was extremely severe
2: yeah um, i mean yeah go ahead well i i, I just want to say so it kind of sort of feeds into our point about um why why is the progress well, where is the progress i'm not i'm not sure that's entirely true because if you think about what happened in in the second world war where they literally fought right into berlin right they they were constantly frying troops and that took i want to say it was well, at least a year right from d-day to the end of the uh, war
1: yeah so i mean the so we've we've actually seen and you know, we've seen certainly similar Similar situation before, where the front remained, where you know, a a major front like this and a an intense war remained static for a long time. Mm. Where you, know, you you only see very small advances, but there uh, you, there'd be a, a lot of fighting, but not a lot of movement. Um, certainly, exactly. One, won much of this. Much of it was like this, where you know, you had huge battles and the front didn't really move. Mm. And so um, the, the five thousand dead a mm-hmm. week.
2: Um... I mean it, it's high, but how does it I mean to me that seems like World
1: War II sort of numbers. Yeah, it's it's absolutely World War II numbers. Um mm. the I mean I would say what World War II was often often higher than that, but World War II was also a larger war. Mm. Um and so why, you know, in my mind, why hasn't
2: why hasn't Russia been able to leverage superiority even over something like bakma and why why does it take so long to well, i know I, I, it's a stupid question i guess but um oh, that's just, reasonable. <laughs> just um I, I guess once you're bombing and um you still get it, it's impossible to wipe out forces completely you have to send men in right that's that's the yeah. end point of any any battle you have to go in and you've got to Essentially, fix bayonets and go room room to room, right? And that's essentially what we're dealing with in Bakhmut right now.
1: Yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, if you, even if you look at recent campaigns, um, I mean, if you look at the uh, the Iraqi attack on Mosul, um, which was just actually I was I was in Iraq at the time. <laughs> that was five six years ago. It was twenty seventeen. I mean, it took the Iraqis months um, with total American it would total air superiority, support by the U.S. Air Force and a a far less capable enemy. I mean, I, it, I, I shudder to think what ISIS would have been capable with of uh, with be the, the amount of support we've been given <laughs> if they'd received this, this level of support, right? Wow,
2: you know what? ISIS did get a lot of American support, right? Just, uh, yeah. just saying.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they were... Oh, you know know they, sorry, to interrupt. People, but... I
2: forgot to send you the tweet. Quick, send that out in the okay. Discord. I put yeah. that there. So yeah, Eric, I was uh, rushing to uh, get get this through. So, in in from your perspective, um, it, my understanding is it's somewhat it's slow progress, but obviously the battles being very very intense, and there's just I guess there's always that unpredictable element in a fight, right? That um, yeah. So-
1: so, so what I'd actually say is that the the reason that that the fighting has been so um, very intense and in a lot of in a lot of cases, but also very static is um, I would explain it this way. So uh, the Ukrainians are very interested on in both the, the Ukrainian goals are they they both want to retain what they have and they want to counterattack, right? They want to take what the Russians have. The Russians are not necessarily focused on. Uh, taking a lot of land right now Um, they're focused on destroying the ukrainian army that's that's one of their military centers of gravity and so it makes a uh and so they're sort of uh, they're sort of maximizing firepower onto the target and they're advancing as they can um they're, they're so they're they're hitting the ukrainians with a lot of stuff and they're advancing when they can and sort of when it's uh um, when they can do so without a lot of casualties um, which the russians have not been taking a lot of casualties um the,
2: yeah i find I mean, it very difficult uh, to get uh, a balanced um take it's either you know you watch the mainstream and the russians have no bullets left and are fighting with shovels yes. and at, at telegram is just a uh, just tsunami of sources that i don't difficult for me to they are, that's, it, that's that's a yeah. definitive number. I'll go with that.
1: The Telegram being the ultimate, like, trust me, bro, source. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you sort of aggregate Telegram, it it's fairly good, but you have to. Oh my god, you have to sift, and there's so many like like re- re- reliable seeming sources that are reliable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's a nightmare. Well, I, uh, I tell you what I do. I tend to watch.
2: Um, I'll, I'll pick a couple of ones that either pro Ukrainian or pro Russian and I'll scroll through those and try to just in my head sort of make a make a calculation as as to what I what who seems to be coming out on top and um for sure yeah the the fighting embankment seems to be going in Russia's direction but the fighting looks very very intense. I watched a clip. I want to say it was this week, maybe maybe the week before, but literally it was one guy. He he sort of stormed a trench. You got a drone view of it, and you know he sort of he's got into their trench, and because they sort of zigzag them, right? Yeah, and and then oh yeah, I've uh, seen that clip. And yeah. he just he's he's point blank, and he just gets three three four guys um with his gun, and um. You know I'm just uh, <laughs> I, 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 feel, I just live a such a sheltered, um, pampered existence or I feel like that when I, when, I see, when I see footage like that. and um, I try not to play too much of it if I'm doing a stream. I try to because I'll structure my streams looking at um, Ukraine and often just the yeah, the spin that Western media is putting on stuff and I tried to sort of deconstruct that a little bit but um I've I don't know man there's a big karmic debt um reveling in that um war porn too much
1: I think well, I mean it, it desensitizes people and especially the way that especially the way that the, the pro-Ukrainian side approaches it um, I mean if you look at the then maybe this is me me tooting my uh, tooting a horror for my own my own camp here but if you look at the pro-west the pro uh, Russian side I mean yes they show a lot of war footage, um, so which is quite graphic, but it's not like it's not celebrated. Mm. It's it's not like it's generally not really treated like you know it's it's not treated lightly. And it's it's not um it's oh. not like glorified.
2: It's, it's, and, it, there's a, there's an issue. I mentioned the scars no. in Europe, um you know that came from the war and um, Russia, <laughs> you know they're, they're collective memory of the casualties you know from from the second world war uh, uh i i think probably run deeper than they do in europe right That they're
1: oh yeah i mean the russians have an entire i mean the russians spend so much time you know commemorating the dead of world war ii because they lost so many people it was said it, it just like burned a scar through russian society and probably And i I mean if you look at it in a lot of ways uh in a lot of ways the soviet union never recovered from world war ii Mm. like never (laughs) it was it was certainly a like an active um i mean it 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 warped you know soviet economic development and uh like recovery from world war ii in the soviet union was a thing i uh, was a thing for decades yeah yeah. And um, in, so, in fact, I mean, the the Soviets were rebuilding their housing stock for a generation after that war. <laughs>
2: well, they just knocked a whole bunch down in uh, yeah. <laughs> Ukraine used to be part of
0: Russia oh, yeah. proper,
2: right? I mean, it was only it was only the uh, perestroika and sort of then. I don't know the Soviet Union imploded. Right. And so, yeah. I, I, I'm not sure the political reasons as to why they carved Ukraine off as a as a separate state or
1: well i mean it, it's because the, the, when the soviet union broke up all the, the the soviet union was made out of imperial russia but it wasn't really russian um it was a so actually this is part of like what like lenin did to sort of uh maintain control was he took imperial russia and he was like okay it's the soviet union now and also we're making a bunch of like ethnic states out of the like various ethnic minorities in uh in the soviet union or yeah, you know, like the various regions and so on and one of those one of those uh separate uh soviet republics which made up the soviet union was ukraine which was by the way it was a and, it, it, and actually of the, of the various ssrs the ukraine was probably the best treated during this while well, the soviet union was um was in existence it was it got a ton of investment it was uh um i think don't count it, those
2: holodomore years though
1: <laughs> yeah well it, it, i mean that's after stalin you know mm. <laughs> but, but i mean it, i'd say after um after uh after the war yeah post-war um the, ukraine got a ton of and i mean ukraine's probably the most favorite ssr after um after the war mm. so and and I'll, and I'll tell you why um the Well, part of this might have actually had to do with the fact that many of the, that uh, Khrushchev, and, I mean, uh, Khrushchev was Ukrainian, um, Brezhnev, I believe, was Ukrainian. Like, these people all grew up in Eastern, like, many of the Soviet Union's leaders grew up in what's now Eastern Ukraine. Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) It's it's such a terrible brother, cousin war, to, to see it being, well... It's, it's, it's bad enough that war, wars happen, right? But to see it being stoked by Western Western powers in the way that it has done, and to see... Well, I I don't think it went like they were expecting. But then... You
1: know. Well, I... Yeah, this war has definitely not gone the way I don't think anybody expected, mm. um, which wars have a way of doing that. Um, but, I mean, I think that... I think that the
3: uh
0: is it is it because of just you know, the
2: the missile capabilities are just so good that it's very difficult to get the air superiority that seems to be I don't know primary doctrine in military I'm well, I, I making assumption is Call me a retard if I'm stepping out stepping out, out of uh, um making assumptions that I shouldn't but um you know my thinking is that you you aim for air dominance and then you, you know your forces are able to get get forward and just the missile technology, even from sort of man pad type weapons, is so destructive at at a nutritional level day after day after day after day that um it becomes very difficult to establish um the dominance that you would like so that yeah
1: i, I mean that, that's part of it um opera uh so both ukraine and to a, to a very large extent russia but i mean even ukraine inherited uh they started the war with a i mean with, with a, an arsenal of service to air missiles which is like just astronomical because they inherited so much soviet stuff mm. i mean they had i think something like 300 uh s300 launchers um which for like i mean which for you know an equivalent country uh an equivalent to to the Western system would be if they had like sixty Patriot batteries or something, mm. you know, like they they just started the war with 300s three hundred launchers, in a reasonable operation, in a reasonably operational they could put into service, mm. and which is a, you know, a, a very very capable system. And they had all kinds of other Soviet systems in, in use, and it's it's that that's a kind of air defense environment which like NATO's never had to operate in. Well, but,
2: the, the assumption but, has just been that NATO would be able to steamroller in and
1: take over air defenses. Um, well, and, you know, the funny thing here is actually that you see NATO has been sending in their own air defenses. Uh, to you know, they've been saying, you know, "We're going to protect Kiev with these Western air defense systems." And it used to be that if the Russians had to hit something in Kiev; they'd they'd you know, have to like fire advanced cruise missiles into Kiev, and some of them would get shot down and um it was pr- pretty hard for them to actually like hit targets inside of kiev and th- these days they're sending like little freaking drones with like lawnmower engines on them in the right. kiev, and they're just hitting stuff and in, like in- into an area that's supposed to be protected by western SAMs, mm. and they're just hitting stuff yeah but they, they, they can't
2: see these such small um things that i that i, I that, who was i talking to spark because i think he was saying but they, well, they,
1: i think they, you're kind of confusing two different kinds of drones um because there's there's like a lot of a uh, like the, the the sort of um, missile type drones the Russians are using to like do long range strikes with, mm. and they're called Garands, but it's um, actually based off of an Iranian model. It, it's unclear as whether these are drones that have been imported from Iran or whether the Russians are manufacturing them themselves. Mm. Uh, but it's a fairly large drone. It's you know, you know about uh you know, think they've got about a ten foot wingspan. Oh, um, so they, they're, they're right, the size right. of like a crude okay. missile. Um, yeah, they've got like a freaking like moped engine in the back of them with a little propeller, mm. but it, it's a pretty large thing. Um, now I, I was now thinking it's... they were sort
2: of like model
1: aircraft type <laughs> but, Well, there's, there's also so a lot soft. of those flying around, but those are, those are used like up on the front line to spot for artillery and stuff right. and those can be very hard to see because they're, they're so small, and they fly so slowly sometimes mm-hmm. and most air defense systems are designed to deal with aircraft, yeah, which it's are it's... big so,
2: so this is that I, I heard that they were actually their conclusion was that they needed to go back to like anti-aircraft cannons for this type of, right? Because the missile systems are yeah. well, one, it's expensive to use to hit a drone. And the, 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 again, tell me if this is, I've just heard nonsense on the, the other being that they don't they're not picked up well. And so. If, you, if you, your radar or systems aren't tuned for it, they're they're going to miss. And so they they want those I don't know what are they called like attack guns? I'm I'm not sure. Like the four oh, barrel yeah. of, um machine guns that have exploding proximity
1: shells. Uh, yeah, I think there are, um there's a bunch of like ZSU's. I want to say there, there's a bunch of different models, mm, mm. most of which are quite old. and They're kind of designed to deal with much older threats, but they're, um, I think we've, one of the interesting things about this war has been the proliferation of low end threats. Um, Sorry, which, lo- lo- low end, you said? Yeah, it's a, basically called low end threats. So things which are cheap, which oh. have low performance, But they're cheap. Hmm. So, you know, you can build like a, with modern technology because electronics are so ubiquitous and. in, in Just readily available you can build a you can build you know a cruise missile out of a lawnmower engine and plywood Mm. and and, uh you know it'll go a thousand kilometers and yeah and it'll and i mean you can build so many of these things versus uh you know air defense missiles which are designed to shoot down you know ballistic missiles traveling in mach 5 well Mm. um even if this thing gets shot down you're still making money on it right it's so and, much more valuable than whatever's being shot at it or it's so much less, it's so much cheaper than whatever's going to be shot at it, that you're still winning the, winning the exchange, even if it gets right, shot
2: at. Right. Right. And in your, uh, as a artillery trained individual, cause I, I yep. see day after day, these little kamikaze drones coming in and taking out these artillery pieces. What would you do in that situation if you if you if you were in that environment where I don't know they seem to come in so low, and yeah. like there's the spotter drone and then these things are coming in I don't know what like
1: fifty foot off the ground and then. Well, I mean, I'd i do a couple of things. I would try to get uh, electronic warfare coverage where my battery is, because really, what the what. What's really effective against drones isn't even necessarily air defenses. It's having electronic warfare that will just cut them off their communication. They will just cut off their communications. Mm-hmm. Um so I mean I try to get EW coverage on my battery. And then I would also uh I mean, really any any artillery battery that's sort of in place in the modern day should have a uh, should have some kind of anti-aircraft mm-hmm. <laughs> system covering it. So you're not going to get uh one you know, year, so basically, so you you don't want to have drones observing you because then if you're being observed, you can get hit by something. And then uh, some of the things you could potentially get hit by are relatively slow moving, like uh, you know these Russian uh, Lancet drones, and those could be uh, those could be physically shot down.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I've se- I've seen footage of them just sort of. <laughs> <laughs> she oh yeah, they is. try to just
1: like shoot out small arms. Which I mean, if that's all you have, it's what you use. But I guess, I guess you're gonna lose a lot of guns that way.
2: <laughs> mm, and they have done so. What, what's your assessment of the attrition rate on the, uh, the artillery systems and missile systems that they do? Yeah, I, I don't know how much to buy the Russian numbers. Um
1: yeah. I, I presume they're
2: inflated, um, but. The... Yeah,
1: they're probably somewhat inflated. I mean, I think the Russians are. I think the Russians are giving releasing what they think they hit, but um, a lot of what you. I mean, when, when you're trying to figure out what you've done to the enemy, when you run so many strikes or so many engagements, I mean, you're based on going that based off of frontline reporting, or like you know we we saw these shells on a counter battery radar track, and we fired back at them, and we think we hit where they came from. Um, yeah, how
2: does that work? I've never. I never so it's odd well surprising what's the speed of an artillery shell that must be like around
1: Uh, um see usually uh mach 2 to subsonic okay so yeah
2: it would be trackable by radar i guess but yeah you can't see all the all the trajectory though right because
1: you would have Uh, so, so what what you what you do is you have a um uh, you basically, there are actually a couple of ways to do it. Um, the way that's most prevalent in the West is you have a radar that just um, looks out, and so it comes out and it just uh, pings the shell at several different points in its trajectory. Mm. And from that, it's got a computer feeds it in there, and that gives you a point of origin and a point of impact.
3: Mm.
1: And uh, so it tells you, first of all, where it's going to hit, and then it tells you where it's being fired from, and then you can pass that on to some kind of strike system mm. and go fire something back at it uh the other thing you you can uh do and the Russians have actually been doing this a a little bit more because if you notice uh uh if you're going to be running a counter battery radar you're going to be running a radar which is emitting a lot of energy yeah and it's 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 and they often have to be kind of close to the front line and they're emitting a lot of energy and they're not um and also like it's not like an air defense system where because air, air defense systems you can kind of network things right because you can have I don't know like an AWACS standing off and then it's it's just you know standing off way out of range of anything and then it can that can sort of cue air targets to uh systems on the ground which can then turn on their radars briefly like for a very short period of time find the thing engage it and then turn the radar off and go hide somewhere so they don't get blown up mm. um counter battery radar it's got to be sitting there emitting all the time yeah. yeah so those things are just going to get blown up immediately <laughs> or i wouldn't mm. say immediately but they're it's i mean if you i mean they're they're not um especially if you You don't fine, want to be it, standing next to them then that's that's yeah, the yeah, point right? <laughs> gonna get... yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they're not that survivable i don't think mm. um so what you um just because of how they how they operate. Now what the Russians have actually been doing recently, which I think is very smart, is they've introduced uh passive systems. So that goes off of um like acoustic ranging and uh like using infrared sensors to detect uh detect like can fire. Okay. Yeah. Uh, detect, like the, the blast. Mm. And I think if you network two or three of those together, you can sort of get a um you can triangulate fire based on that, which is a very but, old method. When they doing um, that in US cities?
2: I heard for like gunfire, triangulating gunfire in some cities. Uh,
1: yeah, actually, we, um, uh, and that's actually based off of some war on terror stuff, which was they developed this stuff during the during the last war. Mm. Um, so people, so you yeah, have a patrol got engaged, they could actually have a little sensor um, you know, in, inside the vehicle, which would tell them, okay, the gunfire is coming from this way. Okay. You mm. cue them in on it. Because it, I mean, you're in an armored vehicle, you start hearing, you know, stuff hitting the vehicle, but nobody ever knows where this is coming from. Right. Not immediately. So, if you have some sort of a sensor which says it's coming from this direction, you know which way to look. Right. It's much faster, mm. and they've they've adapted this technology for civilian use, sort of be able to detect gunfire. But it's, it's the same kind of it's the same kind of technology. And actually, this is this is very old technology. This was actually uh, first used in World War One. Actually, mm. um, they'd have a yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, they'd set up like microphones out near the front, and they'd actually uh they'd have some dude back at a um, back at like a command post would literally, um, what they do would be to issue him like a set of metal disks uh, because the, um, the, there were no computers at the time, and the equation to figure out where like triangulate um, uh, God, gunfire I'm just trying to
2: imagine posts. back in first world, what would be slide rule? <laughs> right. Oh yeah, yeah, like, like they didn't
1: have like the mathematical capability to solve those equations quickly in the first world, right. War. Like the, right. computers didn't exist, and you couldn't really do it cleanly on a slide rule or anything, so you'd you literally have like your your uh, microphones telling you, like giving you, I guess, timings on what they what they picked up, and then you have a dude with literally a set of metal discs, like fitting them over the map, mm. <laughs> like trying to sort of suss out where the artillery could be located. Wow, <laughs> um, well, I had no so idea.
2: It's... They learn something yeah. new every day. So yeah. the I, I would so around sort of back right. I'm um, I have yeah. to presume that there's. I ha- everything must be under artillery range right now, surely. And
1: yeah, the the um so that, that whole area is uh I mean, back back special. Let me share my screen again. Sure, it should so I sort of show you how the uh, show you how this area looks, and this isn't the best map in Bachman, but it'll it'll do for now. Um, so. I mean, you can, this, this is, this is Bachman itself here. And as you can see, it's a little bit, surre- like th- this area here, isn't just an artillery range. This is mostly a small arms range. Okay. Like the Russians can take a heavy machine gun and cover this, uh, this entire area. So it, anything that's moving in here is going to get engaged, not just by artillery by, you know, mortars in mm-hmm. some, in many cases, small arms, mm-hmm. Um, which is showing you just how, out of I to show you just the sort of the situation the Ukrainians are in right now and there's and by the way they're still throwing troops in here yeah but how, the how do they get how are they getting them in uh well i, they I mean have they have
2: to... to be replenishing right i can't i can't believe they're just what they, they had all the ammo they needed all, all the supplies all the men in there
1: no they're they're, they're constantly pushing stuff in here um i'm not sure how much they're taking out but they're certainly throwing stuff in and they're um, there's there I, I think at this point they don't really have any paved roads they can take in um, they might have might have a paved road they can take with some danger um, Dr. but the I mean um, I,
2: I watched a clip yesterday I, no. I don't know the, it's, the Russians have like this blue thermal imaging and it was from back and uh, it looks very much like Predator's um vision and they just nailed free Armored, I don't know, tanks or something, oh, yeah. rolling in and just, oof, it looked,
1: it looked brutal. Yeah, I mean, this was a position the Ukrainians should have withdrawn from months ago. Um, so, so in the, your in, in
2: your mind, as a, in military doctrine, that was pull back, re reconstitute yourselves, get get
1: replenished, and um... yeah, because I mean, holding this is simply. And the, the Russians have been quite clear about what they want to do. They're just trying to destroy as much of the Ukrainian army as possible. And if the Ukrainians are willing to stuff battalion after battalion into that kind of a killing field, while well, they're, mm. uh, I mean, it, it is certain. I mean, the the uh, the Russians are going to stop them.
2: It's my uh, broken. Uh, hang on one second. I haven't seen a lot of a lot of chat here. Yeah, I'm just wondering if the stream is running. <laughs> It's, it's, uh, I'm I'm watching it now. It's uh, got, uh it's running. Uh, yeah, I I think my uh, cool I, I think my um chat uh feed oh. going through from um has broken. Hang on, let me just
1: refresh. Oh, I see the I see the chat on screen.
2: Um, yeah, um it's working. It was uh it just needed refreshing. Um yeah. so I've I've missed uh uh, do, 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 do. these are normal people going through hell. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, uh, people, people who are, um, dancing on graves and, um, uh, uh, I don't know, reveling in the the footage that comes out.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very, um, yeah, it, it's very, uh, yeah, this is very inappropriate to sort of, sort of, mm-hmm. you know, revel this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so- especially you, you look at the, the normal, I mean, yeah it, it, most most ukrainian soldiers are not uh i mean they have been you know, conscripted off the street basically they're yeah, they're that just uh, that just they're working class
2: lads man thrown up there and normal people like you and me Yeah. <laughs> but, Gross. Um, so the, at what point in the military doctrine do you say okay we're fighting to the last man which is, seems to have been the um approach taken at Bakhmut um but could you could you envision something like that happening i guess on your own homeland i could see that as a
1: as a sort of doctrine well, to yeah. take but well i mean there's certainly times when you need to say okay we're, we're not we're not pulling back from this position we're going to going to hold this position to the last mm-hmm. um, but it's generally a, a situation in which okay if the enemy if the enemy breaks through here then there's going to be some major compromise right it'll we'll have to we'll have to uh you know they'll be able to surround um surround us if we don't ever you know they'll be, they'll be able to break through into an undefended area and they can just push through through a will and you know the front will collapse mm. um something like that and in bachman the the ukrainians are just hanging on to that position for the sake of hanging on to it they They have another entire line of cities behind bachman you know kramatorsk Mm.
3: uh,
1: that that whole line there um uh yeah i'd say 30 40 kilometers west of there um, which they could hold in a which they would uh, be be much more secure in Mm. so the only reason they're the only reason i can see anyway is they would be holding on to bachman is sheer stubbornness and um, sort of a, a desire to, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a desire to avoid giving up ground at any cost. And the, uh, unfortunately, the the, as we've seen, they're they're very this at any cost means at any cost. They've been losing a huge amount of troops. Yeah, and I I don't know. In the, in
2: the modern context, it's it's very difficult to compute. Um, that, you know, I thought we'd, I thought we'd evolved from sort of First yeah. World War <laughs> tactics. Uh, no, but...
1: So had I, but I guess not. I, mean, mm. I, I, I I did the math recently, and the, um, people think the Ukrainians have lost, um, you know, there's some larger figures floating around out here, but I think it's conservatives say the Ukrainians have lost about 150,000 soldiers, um, killed in action, which is a huge number of guys, like three Vietnam Wars. Yeah. because Ukraine's only a country of about twenty. Uh, right now, Ukraine is only a country of about twenty million people. Mm. Um, you, you saw the um, the British
2: Home Office was was actively hunting down war
1: fighting. Uh, yeah, war I, fighting. I did. Yeah, they were they were um, like Ukrainian refugees, and that, this is this is the crazy thing: is European countries who took all these Ukrainian refugees and certainly as you mentioned the british home office they're actively looking for military agents mm-hmm. to send back
2: yeah yeah and you know flies in the face of that's that's supposed to be refugees right um
1: well, I, I think now granted i haven't looked up the law on this but i mean i think you would as a country that's accepted refugees have a duty not to um, force them to go... And in fact, actually, I can tell you quite confidently there's a there's a, a duty under international law to yeah. not send refugees back into danger. Yeah, um, yeah. This was something which was uh, a big deal 10 years ago, 10, 10 7, 8 years ago. Um, with well, refugees Syria, really. yeah, um, Syria, Iraq, mm-hmm. and uh, war-torn parts of Africa. Mm-hmm. People were saying, oh, we can't send these people back. It's too dangerous there. And yet you have... European, you know, home offices literally serving as an extension of the Ukraine draft board. Yep. Yeah, in, in a war, weird. which, by the way, is not going well for Ukraine, in which they're using the, their, their military has shown a um, total lack of regard for casualties. Mm.
2: It's unbe- unbelievable to me. I mean, you know, I, I take, take this for what it is, but. Um, yep i i received it secondhand from someone who th- their contact was green beret yeah and they're they're over there training oh where was it
1: poland or uh, no
2: actually i want to say it was more middle eastern country uh iraq uh i f- it was like i f- I, I forget i forget right now but Kurdistan. Uh, the um the the Presumption, though, that they're going to... I know we we touched on this at at the beginning, but um, if they're they're throwing thousands, well, 5,000 a week, majority being lost around Bakhmut, I have to presume, at the moment... um,
1: Well, um, I mean, a lot of that isn't Bakhmut, but a lot of it is there's a decent amount elsewhere. Um, uh, For instance, the Russians moved on Abdika, which is south of Bakhmut, earlier um, last month, and that's become a, a major major point of contention between the parties. Yeah, haven't heard that in the Western press.
2: <laughs> Where's that on the map?
1: Uh, it's this uh, lower inset here, so, oh, so this could, is, yeah, uh, I see, I see yeah, this is lower inset here, and this doesn't necessarily contextualize it sort of where this is in the theater that well, but basically, um, Bachman is here, and Avdika is, like, down here mm. it's it's further south that's right it's it's basically this north of donatsk i can actually pull up google maps you want to sort of contextualize it a little bit more mm. but uh, the russians uh drove this whole salient north of abdika um you know, just in the last last couple of weeks mm. and they're so there
2: you know, i i I've... You've seen this, well, what they call cauldrons and what have you, and like Bakhmut is surrounded. Why why don't they just say, well, that bit's contained, right, and just either keep pushing um, north and south uh, from the positions that they do have? Why why do you think they're just like I say, it's costing Russians still, right, to do like, that? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think they're, I mean, it's, uh, well it's it's certainly um costing the Ukrainians a lot more. It's a lot easier for them to to shoot at something that's surrounded on three sides and something and they have to have to uh take head on. But also um and also the Ukrainians have a lot to do with it. They have they have their own defenses on the flanks. Um so uh, I mean I think the right now, like right as we speak, the, the Russians have been um they've sort of been inflicting the way i'd put it would be they've been inflicting as much damage on ukraine with the the minimum level of forces they can commit mm-hmm. so they're going to look for those they're going to look for fights that are very favorable to them which means okay if we can you know can we find this this you know can we find somewhere that's emotionally uh compelling for the ukrainian command to, to commit forces to and can we can we maneuver our troops into a position where it will, uh, you know, where we can, where we can really inflict a lot of damage on them? There, mm. I, mean, I think that's what they're. I think that's what they're thinking. And the, uh, and the, the Ukrainian leadership has been willing to keep on throwing troops in these positions. So, is
2: it their leadership though? That's that's <laughs> that's a question. i was just wondering what well, is. Well, uh...
1: I, I mean, I think it's their leadership, but they're. Well, I think it's their leadership that's driving this, but the the thing is that their leadership has to go to the West to uh, to ask for. Uh, their leadership is is supported um, implicitly and explicitly by the West. Mm. Um, so, I mean, they the thing is that all these uh, all these plans that they that the Ukrainians are uh, are making those are all. I mean, NATO has full transparency on this. Uh, U.S. European Command has full knows exactly what's happening and they're doing nothing to stop it. Yeah. There's really no discussion happening at UConn being like, okay, uh, as you need to stop pushing, you know, you stop losing a uh, battalion every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not sustainable. You need to figure it. You need to uh, start giving up some ground and uh, maybe uh, Maybe then you'll actually be able to accumulate the forces for a counteroffensive rather than just digging rather than just digging your teeth in everywhere. Mm. So um, the,
2: the well, the, the counteroffensive by Ukrainians. So mm-hmm. again, in in my mind, that that's like a hundred thousand troops, right? Yeah. That you 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 would think you would need so that sort of build-up surely is visible to the russians uh,
1: yes it's it's visible to the russians and the russians have been doing a lot to stop it um if you look at actually uh um and so it's it's my it's my uh opinion that i, I don't think the is going to launch a successful counteroffensive. Hmm. um and in fact i think that they're in fact, I think what's what what's going to happen is not even going to really look like an offensive at all because the Russians are going to do a good enough job of stopping it. Mm. Um, if you look at the town of Orokov here, um, or Orokovo or here, uh, uh, on the west side of the front line, on uh, just in the last couple of weeks, I mean, the Ukraine's put, at least my understanding is, and there's certainly been a lot of fighting uh, near that town. They, they tried to launch a fairly large attack out of Orokovo and they didn't get anywhere and part of this was because the Russians were well dug in and they had mm. um, they, they destroyed what got sent forward um, which was um, a couple of battalions more than you a really tell but uh, also the Russians just uh, when the Ukrainians pushed troops up to sort of occupy Orokovo and stage for the offensive the Russians just slammed them Orokovo um, got hit with multiple very large uh, artillery strikes and all of a sudden, this this offensive they'd sort of been staging out of there really petered off very quickly. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we'd seen some larger some larger attacks coming out of there, and those hadn't been successful. But the the follow-on forces seemed to have gotten sort of destroyed and destroyed uh, by standoff weapons mm. Um, mm. before they even got into position. This was a, a large force that was coming forward may very well have been the counteroffensive force <laughs> really okay <laughs> yeah. like i mean i've heard up the seven thousand guys which is a yeah you know, it's not it's not quite what um it's not quite what what the ukrainians have been advertising but it's certainly a large amount of troops mm-hmm. it's a couple of brigades and um i mean i've heard this this force basically got got um i mean they, they didn't kill all of them certainly but it was certainly uh rendered non-combat capable Mm. Uh, through a combination of just the Russians defeating what they sent forward, and then as soon as they massed troops forward, the Russians just immediately slammed them with artillery. So,
2: wow. So, i I guess this sort of brings us to the in this counteroffensive, the British have sent in, or that there's this discussion right now about the use of depleted uranium. I was calling them sabots. Someone corrected me. If you- the T is silent, Sabos.
1: Apparently, um, uh, it's it's um uh yes, yeah, Sabo. I guess I guess the T is silent. Right, um, but, the, uh, the the way the way you say it, it sounds silent. Anyways, you got the British accent. <laughs> uh, the Sabo Sabot,
2: I would say, but um, the the well, the question I, I i was I would just have been under the presumption that the Russians would have been using those types of penetrators as as well as standard um, tank rounds, um, anti-armour rounds. And there's been, you know, some discussion
1: back and forth and people. I know that that's not the case. So the Russians have depleted uranium uh, uh, anti-armour rounds. Um, They certainly have them. Um, In fact, they may have deployed some of them to Ukraine. I know there have been some pictures floating around. I'm not sure if that was accidental or intentional, because the Russians have a very large military supply system. And certainly, sometimes things get put on the wrong truck. <laughs> mm. But um, uh, the Russians use a lot of um, tungsten in uh, for their anti-armor rounds, um, which works. It's not quite as good as depleted uranium, but it's very close. Um, um, and my, my, like, you know, my understanding that is that
2: tungsten doesn't burn. Like depleted uranium does. Depleted uranium has this
1: pyro, pyrophoric effect, and yeah, I believe you depleted uranium is supposed to be both both pyrophoric and um, they say it's self-sharpening. So right, right. the way it's like manufactured, it's supposed, as it goes into armor, it's supposed to like like the shear bands are supposed to break off, and it just like keeps on getting sharper. tungsten mm-hmm. yeah. doesn't do that, but... right? But the
2: well, I don't know. I've got no idea what it's like to be shot at, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Let alone being hit with a tungsten...
1: tungsten...
2: Uh save I, armor. Um, yeah.
1: I, I mean, I think the kinetic, with the kinetic energy involved, uh, the difference between being hit by a tungsten saber and deployed uranium one is pretty academic. <laughs>
0: is,
1: is, is there...
2: parts of the armor where it wouldn't punch through?
1: On, on a tank? i mean so much of it is dependent on i mean it's really mostly dependent on the round and the the round design of the cannon rather than necessarily the material because i mean like i was saying um du and tungsten are mm-hmm. very um you know as far as being good armor penetrators are very very similar mm-hmm. um i think the the west uses a lot more du ammunition like pretty, pretty much all u.s uh anti like a like tank gun um armor penetrating rounds or du mm. um but for the same exact gun uh the uh, the germans make tungsten rounds for those too mm. so that's a um and actually there's been some discussion like uh the us can get away with using a uh shorter less powerful version of the uh the Rheinmetall 120 millimeter gun which we uh the germans had to actually lengthen it so they could get uh get like acceptable penetration out of tungsten rounds versus US DU rounds, which are a little bit better.
3: Okay.
1: Um, but I mean, it, it's really sort of a like a trade-off game. It's not like DU is dramatically better. And well, the
2: I don't what did that. What? How many tanks did they source? Like
1: a hundred and fifty, uh, right?
2: Uh, yeah, it's
1: uh, oh somewhere no. This is kind of interesting because you can get give a lot of different numbers for it. Um so Ukraine is getting uh I would say Ukraine is gonna get 70 to 80 tanks in the near term, and there's sort of soft commitments to give them some more. Mm. Um I think the British are gonna give them about 30 Challenger 2s, and uh which, which by the way, that the British are being neurotic about because the the British have spent decades building up the Challenger 2 as being almost indestructible. And as soon as one of those gets blown up, they were going to if the Russians as soon as one of those things get blown up it's going to be like a national crisis in the UK because of how much they've built this tank up mm. despite the fact it's kind of a middling tank <laughs> Well, it's a
2: very very heavy yeah. tank, right? I, I can remember um, one rolling by me on a um, I don't know it was VE day and they, no. they, it was in the city of Nottingham actually and the goddamn ground was just shaking, man. Like Things are enormous. <laughs> yeah, the, Um look. I won't. I don't want to be on the uh the, the pointy end of one. <laughs> that uh, way, yeah. but the um look, th- they're open to attack from above, right? With just yeah. shell fire and um maybe I I, I don't I I have. Trouble imagining some sort of North African sweeping tank campaign taking place in in Ukraine. That a hundred tanks is going to make a huge, a huge difference.
1: Yeah, I mean the the, the this whole the the Western tanks. Are, it's it's mo, their value is mostly in propaganda, right? They're a symbol that Ukraine is, you know, they a symbol of support and a symbol of that Ukraine has, you know, they've got their German Panzers finally, right? Um, well it's middle finger to Ruski's, right <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to give it to the Russians we all know how that turned out last time I'm not sure why they're expecting different results <laughs> uh, uh, did you see uh, that uh, silly
2: woman from Germany who was in the EU, I want to say she might have been the finance minister she was she was just standing in the EU saying yeah we've got to get these these tanks to Ukraine and um, yeah, just the, the optics of it were incredibly
1: short-sighted in my mind.
2: Yeah. There's been a lot of
1: feet getting put into mouth recently by, by a lot of European, you know, uh, technocrats. Mm. And, and I, 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 unfortunately it sort of validates a lot of Russian, what I would have dismissed as Russian propaganda before the war. They, you know, Oh, the Europeans are just, yeah, you just had they're just waiting to take, a, take the take a mask off and they're all just yeah, Nazis and waiting. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, there's a lot of Europeans who seem to be like really eager to get back to the, the good old the battle days. Mm. At least to sort of use that kind of uh Well, it's like it's that come, kind of rhetoric, I guess.
2: Coming from Europe myself, that you know, there's look, I've I've been on the receiving end of how should we say, um, you 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 could say intelligence driven operations because of my politics being in the nationalist camp right yeah and um the vitriol and the i want to say vigor with which the state would go after people like my myself. You know, for one, it, we had stupid issues, but back in the scheme of things, looking back, which is, you know, the, you know, Muslim rape gangs from, from top to bottom of the country. Uh, uh, oh, right? yeah. I mean,
1: you, you, you can't, um, uh, you know, God forbid you you protest, you know, the fact that there's rape gangs, mm, mm. Uh, the, the fact that there are tons of women and even children being sexually assaulted in, you know, Muslim communities. Mm. Um, in the UK, and the, the police won't do a damn thing about it. But um, if if you want to go, uh, but you know, if you want to go kill Russians for globo homo, then uh, all of a sudden you can go yeah <laughs> go, go go fully in a stiff arm salute, goose stepping and nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it,
2: it's stunning to me, and and the like I said, the, just the juxtaposition of um the thinking and the the policy is uh it's really bizarre and it's it's not, it's not it's not such a huge length of time i mean it's less it's less than 20 years since that event happened um you know when i was sort of involved I wasn't involved. I just sent a donation, right, to help them with court costs. But you know that that added me to a list, and that list got released uh, to all the newspapers and everything. i and I made the news. They were like, ah, yeah. there's a there's a doctor in America supporting uh, British National Party.
1: <laughs> God forbid you. Uh... Well, well, I mean, hell, I was I was worried. I I considered donating to the Canadian trucker convoy, and I mean, all those people got their got leaked and like got sued the uh some of the canadian ones got like anti-terrorism sanctions applied to them mm. so last right. i checked were supposed to be applied to you know people like you know hardened terrorists not moms from ottawa mm. Mm. like oh yeah we're just gonna freeze your bank account because you're protesting i thought this was a free country apparently not
2: mm. <laughs> well it's not i mean have you have you seen this tiktok lo- legislation
1: that they're, they're pushing through i i've been reading through it i haven't i guess i haven't developed a strong opinion on the
2: matter yet oh, well i mean i'm i'm just i'm running off for what i've seen on twitter bro. but yeah the, the the long and short of it is that they well everyone can be considered uh an enemy enemy combatant, quote unquote and it doesn't this organization cannot be foyered doesn't have to report directly to the president when making these decisions, that oh, we consider this person to be—I uh, I don't know—problematic. Who is yeah. that? Who is the American Muslim that they drove?
1: Admiral al
2: Yeah, yeah, right. But but basically, they're saying now that um, the the rules that <laughs> apply to him now apply to all of you, and yeah.
0: they're—I'm—I
2: uh, sure. okay. uh, don't know how. Uh, well wow. to me i i have watched the last few years and it feels very much like the twenty twenty first century equivalent of Bolshevism bleeding through institutions right now and the the legislation coming behind it is 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 there for a sort of i don't know end and final push for them to sort of um achieve their achieve their aims which is i don't know it like, looks like say i like the, i like the monica global Globo homo um, it sort of encapsulates a lot of it. It misses the green. Um,
1: yeah, I, I mean, I don't think I call them the Illuminati myself sometimes, but it's like a you know, sort of the just. I think it, it represents the. And actually, this is a point I've been meaning to develop a little bit, but it's like uh, the it, it's it's trans everything. Right, because it's it's like trans on so many different levels because it's trans governmental, it's trans societal, it's uh, and, and it goes from like you know the the convergence of um, like where you can't tell the difference between like the, the state and corporations, but they're mm-hmm. sort of acting in unison. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, yeah, it's the public private of... partnership, and it's it's very very toxic. And... Oh, yeah. Uh, um, people people need to wake up to what's what's going on um, in their name basically and you, you try um, you know the, the, you you want as much separation as possible between your legislative that you pay taxes to and corporations that are just by law they're supposed to be profit driven and shareholder interest driven uh, entities
1: yeah um, uh, until ESG comes along then all of a sudden they're <laughs> The, the, the massive banks that are, like, driving all of their board decisions and all their investment are like, oh, by the way, you have to be woke or we won't invest in you. Yeah. And we have, like, a trillion dollars in finance and we own all your loans. Mm-hmm. so Yeah. Like, that,
2: that's, <laughs> they didn't even need to do that, right? It was just that they have, like, the BlackRock vanguards go and get a small, not like a controlling um, amount of shares, but enough to... um have have it have a input into into companies and the fallout from that is well very very corrosive i'm i'm thinking and yeah yeah, it's why why i'm doing what i'm doing right now i guess um
1: yeah yeah i mean you can see how this the sort of alignment um is, is, you know, far larger than, like, people say, oh, it's the U.S. behind this. It's not the U.S. behind this. Like, we, we've seen the U.S. try to, well, for one thing, the U.S. can't whip votes in the U.N. to save its life. Mm. <laughs> I mean, we've seen the U.S. try to, like, this this is a far more sophisticated organization than just, like, the U.S. government trying to do stuff by itself, which is kind yeah. of clumsy.
2: Yeah, it's it's beyond um, that. It's, it's like I say, trans, transnationals and corporations and um, them trying to, well, you know, I say to people, look, it's it's about understanding, con- that they want you to contract with them and they'll go through all all types of tricks and, and this is probably something you can speak to, your, your oh, yeah. law background, but the, you know, statutes and acts are not supposed to uh, contravene your, um, I guess, common law natural rights. And I know there's a distinction between uh, the two fundamentally at a legal legal level natural versus um like the I don't know what what what's written up in sort of like constitutions or charters or um things like that well
1: I think what we've been finding out a lot of recently here is that the uh even your even your you know, rights that are enumerated uh even your constitutional rights don't um, you know in, in in the UK you don't really have those um but i mean even you know, rights that are enumerated in law don't mean anything unless there is a mechanism to enforce them um, because if the uh, if the government won't respect them and if the courts won't enforce them then your rights don't exist and we've seen a lot of the time recently and this came in with covid but also it it i mean it, the, the whole covid mechanism just got like transplanted to ukraine mm. it's the same people doing the same stuff yeah yeah, like it's the same monster. It looks the same. It's just like this is like code was internally directed. And Ukraine is directed to a perceived enemy of the of the Illuminati. Yeah, yeah. The Illuminati. I'm not like a classical Illuminati conspiracy theorist. It's a, it's a term, <laughs> right? I mean, maybe maybe it's the same. People, there's some there's quite, some of them in yeah. that. Like I say, I think yeah.
2: it's a mixed mixed bunch. Um, there's uh, it's. I don't know. There's some degree of psychopathy and sociopathy that enables people to to get into that those inner
1: circles. But you know, I, I... oh, it's it's amazing. I was um talking to a guy recently. Like, it's astonishing how many of these like pro Ukraine figures, even like the lower level ones, are somehow connected to Epstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Who, how how is this dude connected to every single powerful person in the West? Down to very low-level people. Yeah, that, because that, it was a
2: far, far bigger operation than just Epstein, and the uh, the the links with it are, you know, I'm. It, it's too big for me to uh, to encompass, and I, I I sort of take a um, a guideline of look if if potentially people have come into the orbit of Epstein that you know it was just the social circles etc but if they've been in those circles there's no way that they should be if we get out of this with any sort of rights intact i guess for what they do have planned um these networks even i don't know two three degrees of separation is is not enough to um to say these people can't be in these authority yeah, uh, positions anymore because they're they're just corrupt
1: yeah, I mean, the, like, the, the process of just unwrapping this network is going to be, I mean, it would, uh, would entail a, it would entail a lot.
2: Yeah, you'd have but, to deconstruct, um, well, you know, my interest comes in just, like, from the university side, but Epstein, you know, he he had offices in Harvard, MIT, um, he, he, was,
1: he was everywhere. Um, and yeah, he was this incredibly, like, is astonishingly well-trapped, well Connected sex trafficker who, mm. I'm not. I mean, I, I'm. I'm not even sure whether they. Because I mean, he was so well connected. I'm surprised he ever got taken down. Mm. Well, but, I, I, I'm thinking he, it was a message when they yeah, were, when they
2: were making a move, right? Because I yeah. think I think the war started when with the release of COVID, right? I think that was part well, of biological warfare unleashed against um, the populace global populace right because they wanted to instantiate all these new control mechanisms digital passports etc and part part of what they i think they did was to say because there's not just epstein networks there must be hundreds thousands of them
1: (laughs) permeating through these oh oh, oh, yeah i mean the thing is like epstein was he was the guy who got caught right but it's we're we're literally looking like the tip of the iceberg as far as what this You know, what the network looks like. And occasionally we see glimpses of what of it when it has to do something very overt. Mm. Um, and I,
2: I think they just warned everyone. Yeah. Look, even, uh, even top dog, uh, Epstein gets, yeah. uh, schwacked when the time comes, you better shut up and oh, yeah, uh, do, do what you're told. Yeah. And I think that's where we are right now. Yeah. And like you say, it's, <sighs> it's disturbing that there's this overlap between those who, are. Uh, um, oh, it's vampirism, blood drinking off the backs of uh, Ukrainians
1: and and Russians. Yeah, it it's it, it's yeah. I mean, it, it's astonishing we've come to a to a point at which much of the Western world's leadership, you know, the the uh, advanced democracies, are willing to look at Ukraine losing. You know hundreds of dudes a day um and you know you look at ukraine just losing a battalion of dudes a day and say this this is something that we this is something that we're willing to continue to support because we want to destroy russia that badly mm. and we're willing to take all the institutions of like influence and global governance that we built up and which many of these institutions are other t- are tools um, and we're willing to just incinerate them on the pile of on the pile of in the pyre of killing Russians. Yeah. This. Um, yeah. It's it see, it seems it. that they're they're willing. That's, I mean, it seems that they they think this is a. Well, it, it, here's here's the ridiculous thing: is that this? It seems they're they think that this that Russia, you know, potentially taking over Ukraine, is a existential threat to their what they have going. When the crazy thing is they could have bribed Putin. Right. Like Putin could have been bought off is the stupid thing. The guy the guy was a the guy's a neoliberal. Yeah. And he, he, like- he like his his ideological differences with them are not very big. Mm-hmm. And he'd been begging for decades to get like get into Europe. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they, they could have bought him off by offering him EU membership two years ago. Yeah like hey Putin like, part of the EU like <laughs> dollars be to be happening yeah, so <laughs> okay. it, it tells you there's
2: something else you know r- running underneath the uh I don't know the shiny Chinese corporate side that they they project to populace and I, I wonder you know was is it just that they want Russia's resources they just want to break it up they want the oil the gas the is that it is it is it really just that something Seems like- Sorry. Uh,
1: I mean, I think the. I mean, I think they're they're concerned that even if they you know bought off Putin, the Russia would still be a. I don't don't understand why they think this because I don't think this would be the case that Russia would still be adversarial to their interests. Mm. Um, So I mean, certainly Russia is uh, anti-globo homo. Um, They're 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 um, as a society relatively conservative, Mm. but. That, I, that, that I don't they know why they have they to wouldn't break them off and the, you know I don't know why they wouldn't just you know buy off putin and say hey you want to come into the EU and then we'll just subvert your society from the inside like we do everyone else mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> well maybe maybe mm-hmm. Russians had sort of observed what happened over the sort of you know the 20 years of the EU and maybe decided that they didn't want to you know cede sovereignty in in that domain because you know, I mean, Hungary well, is a good example. You know
1: you what know the screwy thing about that is, and I'll actually—I'll actually tell you—you're—you're you're wrong about that. I'll oh, tell okay. you why. Okay. Um, which is, you know, how uh, one of the the big um, driving forces behind Brexit was the European Court of Human Rights, mm. which isn't an EU institution; it's an OSCE institution, I believe. But mm. um, yeah, it's an OSCE institution. But uh, that was one of the big reasons why behind Brexit was. Yeah, we, we need to get the the ECHR out of our legal system. We need to stop respecting these dudes. This is such a mm. uh, they, they just hand out these nonsense judgments, and this is such a, a violation of British sovereignty. Mm. You yeah, know that was a big a big hole to um yeah, a big, yeah I was right. all
2: for it, man. Look, like, I
1: didn't I didn't yeah. want to go into the EU. <laughs> well, 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 here's here's the funny thing is that is that the the Russians respected the east the uh, ECHR's judgments, mm. like Russia was a party to the treaty and the echr passed you know, judgments against russia constantly like non-stop and the russians generally respected it hmm. i mean they weren't like completely cooperative as far as you know aligning their judicial system with um european standards i mean they they did a lot of stuff they got rid of the death penalty um hmm. based on like the echr saying you can't have a death penalty and they're like okay <laughs> hmm. i mean the the like what, what they do a lot of the time would be like the ECHR would rule against them and they would do something they would like fix whatever the problem was in that they'd like uh, they comply with the judgment in that specific case but they wouldn't like do something systematic to fix it in general mm. but I mean the, the I mean R- Russia was far more compliant with you know the like European courts than the UK was.
2: Well, I mean, they have a they have a know, like two thousand kilometer long border with
1: with Europe, yeah, I mean, right? The, I mean, the Russians were very, very interested pre-war into like integrating into Europe, and like, like I said, I mean, Putin could have just been bribed with EU membership because he yeah. did so much stuff to get into European institutions, mm. uh, like show that he respected European institutions and like establish trading links with Europe.
3: Yeah, so, and,
1: and and so there's uh, that element that
2: well you know at what level was the command decision made to blow up those pipelines that's crazy yeah is that was that is that is that just biden i can't believe that's just biden saying wow we'll take down those uh pipelines this this uh there's more there than um just him but you know
1: the they've i mean i can certainly tell you that you know your u.s us i call them foreign policy bros i guess it's about, <laughs> the sort of foreign policy establishment types have just been like you know fantasizing about blowing up Nord stream for decades really for like a decade now mm. um ever since it got turned on they've been we've been saying this is a threat to our relationship with germany we should blow this up
2: <laughs> well that's, I mean, that's uh world, well, that's and nice cars and... really freaking do it. <laughs> right. that's nice cars at reasonable prices and uh kitchen goods <laughs> kind well, of Germans the, the making relationship with their energy supplier <laughs> yeah. and you know it's it's not like Russia wasn't sort of modernizing and um, becoming you know I, I, you could argue westernized but the you know the big uh, corporations were
1: all in there right yeah I and mean, uh, Russia was you know, tightly integrated into Europe and was getting more so and um For some reason, which I haven't, I have yet to figure out myself, uh, we decided to, well, I I think this is, I think a lot of this is coming from like old uh, Cold War, well, I think there's some of this is coming from old, you know, Cold Warrior Boomer con types who, Mm. people for whom the Cold War never really ended. And the fact that Russia still exists and still has nuclear weapons and is still like a threat Mm. um, is... Deeply offensive to them, and they want to just eliminate that threat.
2: Um, Amazing. I did, look. I was really in my twenties when, um, it, well, Perestroika, and then the Soviet Union. Well, it didn't take long for the dominoes to fall, and um, yeah. you know, Berlin Wall coming down, and the. I can, I can just remember the overwhelming sense of relief. I had back no. then because I I grew up with this, you know, my father being in the air force. Everything was just <laughs> the 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 nukes are coming, right? And I I remember at the time thinking, oh yeah, we've we've, we've evolved, we're moving forward, and yeah, it just well, Globo Homo came on the scene, right? <laughs> started started dictating to everyone what they what they can and can't say, and. Uh... <laughs> I had different there's
1: designs. A real, yeah, vendors are real, a real. uh Hesitate to call it a cultural revolution, but I maybe mean, that's the right sense in the last in the last ten years. Mm, yeah, and accelerating. Um, and the crazy thing is that Trump getting elected accelerated it because that that really made them realize, like, oh wait, if we don't if we don't crack down hard, we're going to lose this. Mm, mm, mm. Um, yeah. I think that's what was happening but Yeah, and it's uh a deep
2: long winding path back to sanity for the moment and no you know, i think we'll be
1: i think we we'll be fighting this for the rest of our lives yeah
2: yeah well i just i hope they can put the guns away and it can be uh yeah. you know it's just the uh, shit posting uh, on it
1: hopefully our lives extended to 2024
2: right <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah it's not a given at the moment right they're uh yeah. No, it's not. uh, Well, I mean, if if you had to give a probability rating for escalation and drawing in other countries, where would you put it at the moment?
1: Uh, At the moment, I would say the odds of the war expanding to other countries at the moment are about 20%. I think there's a possibility that Russians are going to have, um, particularly if the Russians have a campaign plan like what I, that looks like, what I think it looks like, um, namely they've sort of built up a large army and they're going to push this into Ukraine sometime in the spring. I think um, so?
2: Other, but doesn't that doesn't that pull Belarus into it, and so that drags another country in? Would they really do that?
1: But, well, I mean, they. I mean, Belarus is kind of already in. Um, the, the russians do military operations out of there sometimes um they, they certainly used it as a chopping off point last year uh, but what i what i'd be more more concerned about would be but well, let, let's say that the, the, the russians um sort of operate like what i think they're going to do when they um having gained a uh, you know, a superiority in forces over the ukrainians they're able to move the front um come the spring Uh, they're going to start moving the front that front's going to stop moving somewhere in uh somewhere in it's going to stop moving you know at the western border of ukraine against poland (laughs) Mm. eventually uh the well well, then the then the danger is okay the russians have built up this i mean they're they're doubling the size of their army they're going to keep it that way and the, the danger is okay at this point NATO has committed and lost much of its war material in Ukraine. it's it it's a it's it's never been weaker, right uh, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization is very hollowed out right now, particularly is um, not so much in terms of like weapon systems but in terms of ammunition and uh uh in terms of uh, in terms of ammunition in terms of certain weapon systems um and the the Russians will be in a, a much stronger position. Well, okay, what if they decide to go and, and actually let I me, mean, I'll bring I'll bring this up here and we can sort of discuss this. But I mean, what if the Russians decide, okay, throughout this entire war, the Baltic states have been consistently um provoking and aggravating mm-hmm. the situation? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Finland here, they just they're joining NATO. I think they're in NATO as of last night. Um and I mean Finland is right up against is Finland has, you know, a significant border with Russia. Um if if Russia is much stronger and NATO is much weaker at the end of this war, what is stopping the Russians from uh, solving some of their solving some of their problems right. once and for all? Right. Right. What's stopping them from steamrolling the Baltic states? What's stopping them from steamrolling Finland? Uh, what's stopping them from trying potentially trying to forcibly disband the North Atlantic Treaty Organization by just defeating it? Um,
2: mm. Mm. And
1: well,
2: I guess there's just the nuclear gambit, right? That yeah. Puts, uh, puts a
1: yeah
2: and, and, and I mean the, yeah, the, the, the real question is
1: well I mean will is I mean will will the United States and the UK France the nuclear powers uh, are they going to potentially get into a nuclear war with Russia especially if the Russians are very clear they intend to use such weapons mm-hmm. um, over the damn Baltics and I think there's certain people in I mean I think the UK might be willing to. Their politicians are pretty irresponsible right now. But look, man, the politicians don't speak for the
2: average uh, yeah. average. I I mean is, is the public willing
1: to? I don't I don't
2: I don't think so. Um I d you know, my again, it's anecdotal sampling set, but the um there's a very strong disconnect between what's being pumped out over media versus what well I, you know working class people really think i don't i don't think there's a uh a desire to go to war with with russia at, at the people people don't see them as an enemy anymore right
1: but, but yeah i mean I, I don't think i mean the section of America, the segment of America that's willing to go to, that that would support this kind of war is not the segment of America that would fight the war. Mm,
3: mm,
1: yeah. Um, um, and if you start calling people like, you know, me back in the service to go fight Russia, there's going to be a problem. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, people will be very unhappy about that, let that
2: way. Yeah. Well, let say, uh, it's not a Arabs in the desert anymore. <laughs>
1: it's, it's... It, it's like, so you want me to go you, you want you know me or you want to go draft a bunch of uh, draft would are going to largely be a bunch of conservative kids mm. um probably mostly from red states to go go to eastern europe and like fight an extremely bloody war against the russians for the the freedom of so, so they so what the latvians can continue to make russian second class citizens in their own country like right. <laughs> this is a uh it, it's it's um I, I, I guess it's, I, it's, guess not something
0: it's really
2: I guess it's uh indicative of empire failing right or or ending yeah no, i agree and so that it, it's a case of sort of lashing out and we just we just have to hope that the sort of spasms of it don't that just don't bleed through into too many too many more casualties but I'm, I'm, yeah this this
1: this uh that the, the current global system um, fails
2: gracefully. Mm. And this set of demands on the screen is from who exactly? Yeah, so the,
1: this this came from, uh, I think it was the Russian Deputy Foreign Minister. He put this out just a couple of days ago, and, I mean, the, the, this is what the Russians are, this is what the Russians were thinking, right? Mm. So, I mean, here in the West we're saying, oh, well, the, well, the, uh, here in the West we're saying, oh, okay, well, well we're... The Russians need to withdraw all their troops from Ukraine before we'll even talk to them. Well, that's that. Not only is that that not going to happen, but the Russians are. Now I'll just go through these. The, the Russians are. Um, they've been escalating their their demands, uh, and some of these demands are not demands of of Ukraine. They're not demands that Ukraine can satisfy. They're demands of NATO. Um, yeah. you know, things such as. Uh, I mean the, the cessation of hostility by ukraine armed, arms groups and the cessation of the supply of weapons by western countries um pretty basic uh you know, ukraine neutrality the ukrainians can do that um that's what they were asking for on day one uh confirmation of the non-nuclear status of ukraine um, same thing the uh, recognition by kiev and the international community of quote new territorial realities unquote which is not just Okay, Ukraine needs to recognize that there a lot of their territory is now an annex to Russia. Uh, like the UN needs to do this. This is a this is a demand the Russians are making. Like, well, the thing is, it's Western not... backers need to do this. It's
2: not so much uh, a new demand. Well, I, you know, the Minsk the Minsk Accords were, were yeah. supposed to recognize the the Donbass as sort of being uh, semi semi autonomous. I want to say.
1: It Uh, it was supposed to be a... if I recall what the the terms were correctly, the the Donbass was supposed to be basically an autonomous region of the Ukraine.
3: mm. Um,
1: They could keep speaking Russian, and the Ukrainians would... they could keep speaking Russian, sort of mind their own affairs, and the Ukrainians would, uh, would otherwise... Not shell them, constantly. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) not keep on shelling them and trying to attack them.
2: was it so some, was it so much to ask right
1: uh it really wasn't I mean, my my humble opinion it really was not um it's it certainly, like... certainly i think the uh that maybe if they had been implemented we wouldn't be in this pickle i would be
2: right well you know there's an argument to be had that the, the russians were just naive in thinking that those you know, agreements were worth the paper they were written on and we had merkel months back now just saying oh yeah we were just uh, stalling
1: yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, agreements uh you know which is yeah you know, apparently agreements that are backed by major European powers are guaranteed by major European powers aren't worth the paper they're written on mm. I mean this goes back to Russia being you know Putin being a European integrationist he's like oh probably was saying oh well you know France and Germany and are saying they're going to going to guarantee this and it never happened.
2: Right. Right.
1: Well, uh-huh. you know, not one inch
2: further east. Uh that should just be uh they should put that yeah. on their bank notes now.
1: Right. Um and I mean, let's see uh stuff like you know uh cancellation by Ukraine, the West of anti-Russian sanctions and the withdrawal of claims. Um so that they're uh let's see. Uh, and restoration with the money of the West of the Ukrainian civilian infrastructure destroyed by the AFU after 2014. So the, the Russians are asking for reparations from Europe. <laughs> you know, they're like, like no, no, we we want reparations from you. Sorry, mm. you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> so, yeah.
2: this is a negotiation, hopefully, and you know, they're, yeah. they're hopefully, saner heads will
1: prevail. <laughs> uh, in, in this, but i i mean hopefully in a best case this is simply a russian negotiating position They're they're willing to climb down from this to uh yeah i think they take the donbass
2: right um it it well i i have to presume legally in russia it's it's recognized as russian territory now um i guess i guess it's up to the rest of the world to sort of um
1: admit that yeah yeah, I can't, well, I can't. I mean this is what they're this is what they're they're asking for. I mean I think as part of any as part of any negotiating process that ends the war is the the uh the other parties are gonna have to accept this.
2: Mm.
1: And yeah. yeah. And look, this what we're we the, the Well we just keep killing
2: five thousand men a week. So yeah, yeah. Is I mean, what we it, did?
1: It, it, this is this can't go on forever and um and we're not going to have a frozen conflict Mm. um another frozen conflict the russians won't count i mean for one thing the russians won't count Mm. Uh, and ukraine can't can't keep this up (laughs) so we're not like talk about oh we're going to freeze the war like no the russians want a peace treaty and they're Mm. they, they i think they have their uh they're uh i think they've got a pretty good idea of what they want out of that peace for a pretty pretty reasonable ability to force at least ukraine into complying with it Mm.
3: yeah we'll
2: see look man they would have been so much better had they taken the
1: peace treaties at the beginning of the war and... Yeah, I mean, the, the Russians weren't asking for a lot. Even in April, they weren't asking for a lot. Right. Uh, in fact, I mean the um, stop this... shelling people. <laughs> that was, that yeah. was it. <laughs> I mean, it came out that you know NATO came in at the beginning of a year ago and um you know torpedoed a peace deal that was on the table. Mm.
2: Which yes, was but which is the neat. British.
1: The British again were were yeah, doing Johnson it. Yeah, flew into Kiev and torpedoed a peace deal, which was like. The terms that were basically like the Russians would just withdraw from everywhere and uh Ukraine would basically accept you know would, would basically like accept the separatist republics sort of as they being like independent countries mm. not part of Russia independent countries <laughs> and uh and then you know Ukraine would get security guarantees
3: mm.
1: and that would have been so much better than the result that Ukraine's going to be getting getting now.
2: So, I mean, looking at that map, there. I mean, I know you mentioned sort of pushing down south. That's Belarus in like the top left-hand corner, right? Yeah,
1: that's Belarus up there.
2: Um, why, why haven't or do you think Russia would try and decapitate the Zelensky regime? At some point, they've got to realise, ah, oh, there's just there's no way to. Um, negotiate with this with this side, so we may as well try and take out the leadership. And so, I, I, this this is
1: a question I actually wanted to ask you. Um, so the... well, I I think the the Russians will do that if they think that there is truly no chance of negotiations. Um, I think I mean, how much there, how much more data do you need? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, Putin's clearly very patient man. <laughs> I,
2: I I guess, but the
1: the so, had you heard but about. And also, like, also, I'll put it this way on this map, it looks like the Ukrainians could possibly win. If the front line is along, say, the Dnieper, mm. um, then Ukraine may have a whole lot of. The, the incentives for Ukraine to negotiate and negotiate in good faith may be entirely different. Because mm. um, right now, the Ukrainians, they still think they can win this. And NATO is still talking, they can, they can win this. And as near as we can tell, uh, the senior decision makers of nato still think win this. god knows why but
2: um well right, it's not their forces going in and getting yeah, chewed up not, right
1: that's not not their guys they're ordering the combat mm. so, the, um, so the the kinzal
2: that's the hypersonic right yeah kinzal so had you heard about the them quote-unquote striking the nato
1: portland? yeah i've heard about that um that not true. Oh. i don't know um which i did know but i don't know <laughs> that's 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 the rumor i heard was i mean the russians certainly shot six kind at something in kiev um the russians have pretty good intel in kiev i'd be willing to bet that whatever they shot them at was pretty damn important for them to use that many mm. that much hardware on on a target it was probably a bunker filled with something very important um mm. of course the Ukrainians have not Put out information on this because they're very cagey about their losses.
2: But, but NATO's but, not going to say, "Oh, you just blew up."
1: Yeah, we, we you just you know, smoked a ton of our dudes, <laughs> right. or, or the guys we keep under the table, right? <laughs> you just you know, blew up our, uh, you know, blew up a command center we had or something. But it... I mean, certainly the Russians shot six kindles or something. It's likely they hit whatever they were aiming at. It's likely, they've given their intelligence capabilities, whatever they were aiming at was pretty damn important.
2: Right, right, and. I don't know, the... How much warhead do you have to... Like, if something's going that fast, how much explosive do you have to put on it?
1: Well, I mean, at that point, the explosive is almost unnecessary. The kinetic yeah. energy thing is just... Mm. <laughs> the is larger than any amount of explosives you put in inside, like, a nuclear bomb. <laughs> right, right. I just, uh... Well, I'm
2: trying to visualize what the impact and... So you're hitting a bunker, for example, right? Yeah. And so, like the the bunker busters, that that that's tungsten cased, cased, right? Uh, yes.
1: Yeah. So what, well, what what a lot of bunker busters are is like a very thick walled, often um, steel cased, uh, very very thick walled um, bomb. Sort mm. start dropping on target, and just it's just um, it falls pretty quickly, and it's heavy and hard, and it'll, it'll penetrate through concrete. Mm. Dealing with a, something like a Kindle, I mean, a, a bunker buster might go supersonic while it's falling. A Kindle is going, you know, ten times faster. Mm. Uh, it's it's you know, going a Mach twelve when it hits, so it'll it'll just liquefy whatever's in front of it and mm. penetrate down a very. I uh, mean, some of the, the the bunker specifications I heard about was basically proof against most nuclear blasts, mm. um, but it'll you know you can. If you have enough kinetic energy going in a certain direction, you can you can get down pretty far. Mm. So Yeah. I'm and so... I mean with at that, I, that I'm much just... energy going into it, it'll just
2: the physics of it. World. I'm trying to wrap my head around it. Just because from what I've seen, like the it seems a low flying missile, from what I've seen yeah.
1: on um not telegram.
2: Well, <laughs> that's that's yeah. my that's my source.
1: Yeah, I've seen some some videos of like very fast moving missiles on telegram, but I don't think those are actually kindles. I think those are um but they're all glowing Oni- and shit, right? Oh yeah, yeah. As the as a Onyx is a um it's not hypersonic, I don't think, but it's like high supersonic. It's a uh it's a very fast like anti-ship cruise missile the Russians have that they shoot against land targets. sometimes.
2: Would that would that create that sort of plasma mm. glow around it? Because that's that's the air heating up.
1: Yeah. The- I, th- I think so. I think that was fast enough. Uh, so I, I think people think that Kinjals usually they don't really come in low like that. I think they usually come in pretty steeply.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think at like at that that speed. Like you've, you've got I, I don't know. I I kind of imagine you've got to sort of come at it at a you know like 45 degrees, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. How how do you how do you have the time to if it's I don't know. Let's say what's a cruise missile fly at 200 feet?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Around. Right. It's, it's, yeah, reasonably low. Yeah, yeah. So they'd have to come in steeply, so it'll actually—you're not just penetrating through. Right. You're not going to skim spark off it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um,
2: <clears throat> yeah. I <okay>. yeah. said, <laughs> I don't want to be on the receiving end of one. No, no. no it's, really
1: not. it's scary stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, the well, I guess that's you know on the back of the U.S. Do you believe that that the U.S. again is not getting there? hypersonic missiles to work. Is that a fake? Head fake?
1: I I couldn't believe it myself, like, especially because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I heard about the arrow the being cancelled, and it was astonishing to me, because it's not that complicated of a system. Mm. We had, we've had similar weapons going back decades, mm. um, which, and it seems to me that for some reason that we, our engineering expertise has just died in the last 20 years.
2: Went to China, bro.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I don't want the China. I guess <laughs> we, we can't design things anymore, and that's that's a known problem we've had. I mean, we can't build bridges, we can't build highways, mm. can't yeah. build trains, and apparently, we can't build missiles worth the damn either. <laughs>
2: wow, well, I, I don't know. Some missiles work, right? Those high HIMARS seem to be uh, somewhat effective.
1: Yeah, they were pretty well. Um, mm. But I mean, that's that's technology that we developed twenty years ago. Mm.
2: So, and, do, you, uh, do, you, do you see them giving? Why why haven't they gone the step of giving the longer range missiles for the high Mars right now? A uh, couple of
1: things. Um, one, we don't actually have that many of them. I see. Um, so, and, and actually, we we don't have them and we don't have a lot of them. And we're not making a lot of them. I think we made a, like a test run of a few of them a little while ago, but hmm. uh, we're not in a position to manufacture any more of them right now. So, I think what they're worried that and also here's the other thing is the russians have shown an extraordinary ability to use their air defenses to shoot down missile targets during this war Mm -hmm. like um stuff they shouldn't really be able to do and they're just doing it casually and um and what i think we really don't want to do is especially if we're potentially like looking at using uh these missiles against them in the future like us personally we don't want to train them to to defeat this threat before we want to like train the russians to defeat this threat in the low stakes war um, before the u.s comes in in the high stakes war <laughs> mm. we'd yeah. like to have at least some stuff the russians haven't seen already
2: <laughs> but do, do, do you think the that high stakes war is with russia because i'm just seeing this pivot towards china right you've seen you've seen the change in them suddenly oh yeah, oh, yeah. suddenly we're dealing with the lab origin pathogens
1: and now now for sure it's chinese right oh, um, well well yes and that's actually a very good point which is that the the war that you know i think the the uh yeah let's call it global homo here is you know pushing the u.s into is one with china not necessarily one with russia for some reason they think they've got russia in the bag when it's absolutely not the case mm. but that's that's what that's what your war on uh, that, that's what your your brand of propaganda does to you mm. <laughs> but the uh I, I, but i mean even if you know the, the thing is that the uh if we train the russians to to, to defeat this uh, missile they can go around. They can turn around and tell the Chinese how to do it. They do it quite happily. Mm, yeah, and and the Chinese feel many of the same missile
2: systems as the Russians do. And I've got to, you know, a, a what, where, which think tank thought that you know the the strategy that we have taken has been the right one, and then pushed Russia and China um, ever closer together. And it's a, this is it. Like for me, like my older brain is just like you know we could have we could have carried the russians away <laughs> yeah, like we're, from...
1: we're not going to beat the chinese without the russians on board mm. and in in the context of defeating china as a you know actual threat to the united states who cares about ukraine right right who gives a damn about ukraine they, the russians can have their sphere of influence in eastern europe if they're willing to help out yeah, preferably help out or at least be benevolently neutral mm. dealing with China rather than giving them tons of advice and equipment and support mm. uh, in the event of a war, which is what we what what we'd see now mm. if um, they didn't join it themselves.
2: <laughs> and how, how do you, how would you see that going down? I guess obviously Taiwan being a friction point, but, um, this isn't the Second World War anymore. Like, again, I would—the missile tech is such
1: that you ain't getting carrier groups. Cause... Yeah, which I—I I think a lot of, if you look at kind of the war—the the war games that people play about well, oh, the Chinese are going to invade Taiwan. I think they they all kind of fundamentally miss the point a lot, which is the Chinese don't have to just bum rush the Ti- the Taiwan Strait with amphibious no. ships. They can sit back and just, I mean china is china they have a i mean you think the russians are running us out of ammunition the chinese are going to do that like you know 10 times what the russians are doing Mm. yeah the the, the chinese can i'm sure just produce ballistic missiles almost at will Mm. and uh they can they can flatten taiwan without ever setting foot on it and moreover they they probably have the capability to keep us uh, keep us at some distance, almost indefinitely.
2: Yeah, they don't have to even do anything to Taiwan. They just say, right, we're doing an exclusion zone. <laughs> right, yeah, anything coming into anything
1: that near here, and yeah. U.S. military have fun doing blockade running into Taiwan. Mm. We have all kinds of long-range missiles. We're going to shoot them at you, and good luck, good luck finding our you know mobile launchers in the Chinese you know mm. in the Chinese countryside. That's never going to happen. So, mm. like, if you, we're just going to. Well, we shouldn't Shelled send the balloons, Taiwan. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, They could very easily just be like, "Okay, we're just gonna shell Taiwan with ballistic missiles until they surrender." And if this takes five years, it takes five years. We don't care. We can keep it up.
2: <laughs> and the, the problem is, is that you know this boondoggle on the screen right now is just push that closer. And look, man, I'm no fan of the Chinese. I <laughs> look, I want Taiwan to be independent yeah. and, um, you know, yeah, um, I mean subject to organ harvesting,
1: et cetera. But the yeah, yeah, the Chinese are by by no means a particularly savored regime. The, the way I say it is that the, the way I say it is that the the Chinese have no friends and uh, everyone else in East Asia has like a long history of fighting the Chinese for very good reasons. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah.
2: Look, man, Japanese don't like them.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's for sure. Japanese don't like them, the Koreans fought them, the Vietnamese fought them. Like, the indians have fought them when they could get over the himalayas
2: yeah <laughs> and, the well, I, I guess so how would they i guess this is the orcas um network that would try to try to initiate something and so i guess you want to have india i don't know man could india do it india can't can barely contain pakistan
1: Uh, Well, and also, I mean, I don't think the Indians right now are very interested in getting on board with the U.S. in anything. Mm. I mean, India is an ally. uh, I mean, effectively, India is a... a, I wouldn't say an ally of Russia, but they're certainly Russian-aligned. But they buy a lot of... India had a a very close relationship with the Soviet Union during the Cold War. Mm. They haven't forgotten the fact that, you know, the West was very involved with arming Pakistan. Mm. Retains, in spite of all... uh, retains in and, and somehow retains in spite of all like reason to the contrary in a relationship with pakistan mm. yeah the, the the fact that you know uh, osama bin laden was living like a mile away from their main military academy and we we're just like oh yeah this is just some big misunderstanding
0: <laughs>
1: yeah i know we'll, we'll sell you some more f-16s don't worry about it like what what dirt does the isi have on have on I american figures i don't freaking know well again you have to you have to wonder what
2: how these networks fit in the blackmail networks and yeah. um you know where the problem is we just all we can do is respond rather than preempt anything in in that domain and just just be wary i guess yeah. but i can't i can't see india coming coming to the commonwealth rescue at this point Yeah,
1: you look at like some of the some of the people who are supposed to ride to the rescue of Europe here for they're saying like like there's people saying uh, unironically oh the South Korean military industry will produce the tanks and guns we need in Europe it's like the South Korean military industry isn't that good one Mm. and two South Korea are you kidding me yeah they're uh, yeah they've got their own problems
2: yeah yeah and look I was um well, I'm good friends with the head of neurosurgery in Seoul, the main hospital yeah. there. And um, their their doctrine is, I, I want to say, in the first 24 hours, it's a crazy number, but they, the, and he's part, because as a medic and surgeon, he's, even though he's in his 60s, he's still yeah. listed as um, active personnel. And they they were they calculate like a million casualties just in from conventional um exchanges in, in the first 24 hours right?
1: yeah, I mean, I've, so... I've seen what the what the north koreans have and it's terrifying they have so much stuff on their side of the border mm. Mm. And... <laughs> like it might just fire once right but you it, know, yeah it's... yeah it, it's gonna be like freaking armageddon <laughs> and... for soul
2: for, particularly for seoul the, um <clears throat> The, the distance is very, very short. Um, yeah, it's, it's, South it's, Korea, uh, the southern tip of South Korea might be... Okay, but Seoul would be... Uh, wrecked, Seoul would get a lot of stuff shot at it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, I've been to that um, border. Um, yep. Yeah. And... I used to a Oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> no, I was in Korea for a Oh, okay. Uh okay, which 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 base? Casey. I that's know, in uh that's
1: in dongnae
2: Okay. Um Busan is the big one, right? Uh
1: there's a lot of dudes in Busan. Actually, they're trying to get a lot of uh, guys in um they're they're trying to move a lot of guys at Camp Humphreys these days, um, I think because they're trying to get people kind of off the border. Mm-hmm. But, but when I when I was there, it was sort of um uh, I mean, there was even a lot, a lot of Casey. Daegu,
2: the city I was in, that that had a big uh Oh, I yeah, to say, there place must have been place an airbase there because the lights would go over yeah very, very regularly. Um, the yeah the the yeah thinking thinking South Korea is kind of coming into this game and uh,
1: gonna the, the thing the South Koreans are just going to like produce a thousand K two tanks and then give them the Poland. Um sure bro i think they probably want to <laughs> give us their own army first and then we'll produce tanks for you i don't know sometime in 2035. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, and <laughs> their electronics are good right uh, yeah,
2: th- th- there's, they're fine. uh there's there's no that th- no worries there but just i don't like north uh south korean armor ships playing th- they don't really have any uh, well i only ever saw u.s aircraft there. i don't I, i've never seen a korean based fighter they may have them i never saw them
1: yeah and i guess oh that... they're uh, they're they're trying to develop one but i mean it's all basically they buy, they buy aircraft from the u.s
2: mm. yeah yeah and i i was under the presumption that most of their artillery and armor was and i i know they have some Domestic tank a lot tank. of it
1: is yeah a lot of it is American um or a lot of it was produced in America for them um lately they've been developing their own stuff more in fact some of the stuff they developed recently is very good mm. um the, like the Canada howitzer is great the K2 the K2 if they can get the transmission to work is a good tank right, <laughs> right. they've been having not bad production bad thing for a decade now it's but part of why you know that the, the, the pull is going to South Koreans saying like we're going to buy a thousand K twos is just, like desperation territory. It's mm, mm, uh, very much so, exactly. and the, the South Koreans have only like, produced two hundred and fifty of the damn things for their own army.
2: <laughs> yeah, look, and, and people people need to understand that um, Korea is a uh, it's like it's a very much like Japan in yeah. its population dynamics, and those have taken like Japan have taken a big big hit in the last year or so and they they don't have a growing population and that the wow the the problem is is that they because of the conscription that's baked in there Mm -hmm. um the people start families
1: later generally and Um, i've heard like the people talk about the japanese having having a demographic crisis but south korea is bad yeah
2: yeah and th- again um in the last year we've d- well the last few months so like the deaths have gone high and the the births have dropped precipitously much quicker than than the projections were saying in japan korea singapore um a, a, yep. a whole bunch of asian countries have, have just taken this very very uh, or uncharted territory i would say and so to be i don't know man i mean Japan's got some serious heavy industry, but basically, like internal consumption takes up most of it, especially military. Well, yeah. they can't. They can't
1: um... uh, I mean, like, if you're saying, "Oh, we're going to get the Japanese to sell us weapons so we can fight Russia," like, I, I like you—you've been sticking your nose into Zelensky's desk way too much. Mm.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and many,
2: and the. the there's the, 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 you know grumblings here that you know the positioning people can see the war coming with China yeah right and they don't the, a lot of people are just like oh yeah,
1: they're
2: like they're like why now why are
1: we doing this now what's right. what's so damn important that we need to go fight the Chinese right now like right why, why is this accelerating I'm I'm, missed, I'm as mystified as you
3: Mm.
1: and
2: yeah all, all we can you know, we can put our finger out in the wind and say yeah we're accelerating to, towards something and I, you know my my advice to people is don't comply don't comply with what these bastards are doing let them fail and
1: hope that we're still here for
3: 2024
2: yeah
1: I hope that this uh hope that um their heads for and that they uh realize that this and that uh uh that uh, the our, our esteemed leaders are able to take an elephant once mm. wow well,
2: I would like to I would like to see them feel some pain
1: but... yeah they've been it's been a it's been a rough few years I'll be real with you, it's been ever since 2020 I mean I remember I was watching the watching uh what agenda free TV um, it was, mm. He's got his own. He's got his own agenda. But I about mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, you know mysterious disease spreading in China. What's happening in Wuhan? And mm. what from there?
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, all, all ties back to. Well, I, I, like I said, I, I wouldn't put all blame on U.S. institutions. Like, At it's Chinese, just as. Um,
1: oh, the Chinese were super dirty about it. Mm,
2: mm, um, I would. I would um certainly want to see them feel some consequences for what happened but um to be to be gaslit the way that we have done uh, over the last few
1: years and and well n- now now it's find certain. ourselves for <laughs> free territory yeah, we saw we're somehow managing the gaslight ourselves in the world war Three, and i'll tell you a, a little bit of student history that isn't going to end well
2: no I I don't. There's there's too. uh, Like I said, the problem is I see these people that are political representatives, technocrats, right? The European, especially like European side, they're too young.
1: Yeah, they don't have any idea what they're. And and like Mm. you see, Swedes talking about this, right? Sweden, which hasn't hasn't fought a war for two hundred years. I mean, you see, you see Swedes talking about this stuff, and they can't even conceptualize warfare.
3: Mm.
1: Like Mm. they don't. Despite the fact they can go on YouTube and look and see what's happening, they they can't. Imagine not only that happening to Stockholm, but the fact the Russians it's well in the Russians' ability to do that. Mm. Yep. And there's a there's a
2: disconnect between well, it's fictive versus actual reality and eventually it'll crash.
1: The problem the, prob- <laughs> yeah, the problem Yeah, the problem is is it gonna crash before it like is it are we gonna be able to get out before it crashes?
2: <laughs> I, I I think it's a case of just you've Essentially, you try and do the preparations that you can do. And look, I, I'm I ain't surviving beyond a few months of food shortages and um, stuff like that. I've, like, I've got holes in my roof, right? And it's, there's not much I can I can really do. Except I, I feel like I can lower people's tension somewhat with I don't know, walking through stuff, explaining stuff, trying to not be so. Well, I mean, I think it's just, I think it's important to
1: get the word out and I think it's mm. important to educate and the more people like us educate, um, the more, so sad. uh, it, it slowly moves the needle. Cause I, I know that people, the kind of stuff that we put out, um, it isn't, uh, you yeah, know, people don't admit it. I'm like, but I yeah, mean, you see mainstream journalists, uh, and decision makers and so on uh, people this this does trickle out into the the water the water zeitgeist. guys yeah
2: yeah um, it's just they've they've got to make sure that they've got their handled spokespeople getting the bigger audiences that that's yeah. how it works so they'll just you know they can scoop up the information and then feed it to um, you know, well, a, a particular bugbear of mine. I don't know if you know who he is. His name's Russell Brand. He's, he's British, I don't know what you call comedian, I guess. Um, but he's hmm. sort no of, feeling. yeah, but he's, uh, how should we say? He, he's, 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 he was famous because he's been in Hollywood. He's done a bunch of shit like that. But um, And he's, he's sort of become very much a, a face of the, I don't want to say resistance, but just objections to what's happened around COVID and what have you. But there's, mm-hmm. there's pictures of him just hugging Yuval Harari of
1: World Economic Forum. And and so, you know. Yeah, well, well, yeah I mean, it's uh, the same kind of control opposition you see all over the place. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, is that what you're sort of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of. Like, I mean, there's memes about this on the right. People who were people who were like, "The media is lying to you. This is this is nothing but nonsense." And then they were um, completely in it to win it, to kill, to go go on a neoliberal Russian killing project yeah. in Ukraine. Right? They're all just like, "Yeah, rah rah, let's go go kill some riskies." Yeah, yeah. But Biden's doing great. Keep it up. Keep it up, Joe. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you you people hate this dude. Why are you? Oh, right. You control opposition. Okay, there we go. Yeah, yeah, and. Did you did you see
2: Hannity after the Uh the what you call it got
1: taken out that drone? I I heard he had a meltdown, but I think what is more, did you hear about Ron DeSantis?
2: No, I've
1: watched Hannity. Mm -hmm. He 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 lost it, man. Oh my God! It's like God forbid our drone gets shot down. Right. It's like we were only doing donuts on their lawn. God forbid they come out with a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, touche bro. Yeah. But, but I, I saw like Ron DeSantis recently who had because he, he previously had been like, we shouldn't, had said, you know, that this is stupid. We shouldn't be supporting Ukraine. What are we doing here?
3: Mm.
1: Well, what do you know? Ron DeSantis came out a couple of weeks ago, bent the knee. He was like, Russia is a gas station with nuclear <laughs> weapons. Really? Yeah, dead dead serious. Like I I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the direct quote he said. Oh, I'm Russia. sorry, I'm I'm confusing uh Ron
2: Paul with Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis no, is Ron, the Florida Ron governor, Sanders. right? Yeah, <laughs> <God>. Sorry. <Trump's laughs> big Ron Paul, though? Surely he's been uh somewhat no, no, um yeah. circumspective.
1: Oh, I can't speak for I haven't heard about Ron Paul. I know Rand Paul has been very he's, um, he's been pretty vocal, fair. right? Yeah, yeah. But he, I think he Ron sick. DeSantis, the that you know trump's big rival for the nomination the big uh big guy who's been getting promoted as the alternative to the washed up orange man mm. uh, he's uh i mean he came out and he just completely towed the neocon line like he couldn't he basically basically freaking uh, kissed dick Cheney's ring Oh on <laughs> um, just like every including like talking points that people know are stupid by now like oh Russia's just a gas station with nuclear weapons and why are they producing more war materials than the entirety of the North Atlantic Treaty Organization mm-hmm. like um, it's a pretty like it's a what this is like a a really good gas station like a
2: wawa what <laughs> what was the, the there was one in Texas that was really famous just uh i don't know it's got like a squirrel or Rabbit or something. To, like, oh, you've yeah. got to go to those things. It's massive. I've never seen gas stations so big. Um, oh yeah,
1: like those, those, uh, like the ones for truckers. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you got know, like a restaurant, and like a merch shop, and all kinds of stuff. Like, like, like those pumps. one of those gas stations.
2: Yeah. I, I was like, dang, man, that's uh, yeah. that's some serious. Uh, I wish I could remember its name now. Apparently, it's a Texas institution. Um, oh yeah. But, uh, I I mean, I'm sure it's, you understand. Know, it's, it's. I bought the wife a chopping board. <laughs> texas chopping board
1: yeah in <laughs> a gift shop yeah but they sell was... they saw chopping board they saw cutting boards in the uh <laughs> the gas station gift yeah. shop
2: yeah that's it, <laughs> it was nice man I, I bought a few things in there for the kids yeah. and whatnot. and yeah the well the cope is that uh they're getting or they get, iran's giving them war materials or, or north korea or um
1: you know, but how right. you- It's like you know, it got, got, so. So wait. So so Russia getting war material from their allies is a sign of weakness. But yet we're giving like our entire army to Ukraine to fight with. it. This is somehow a sign of Ukrainian strength. <laughs> can they at least like align? Can, can we at least like dial the hypocrisy down maybe fifty percent, and we'll have some kind of public discourse in this country? I don't freaking know. No,
2: it's it, it's important because the, the the media is so it's so controlled but that it like the mainstream I, I make a point of watching um the uk media and there's there's i do the times but it's linked to it's basically offshoot of the bbc
1: and oh it's bonkers let, let me do you uh the, the the british defense minister what's his face came out and he was just like he had a, he did an interview recently i'm not sure if you saw this i haven't seen anything recent but uh he I mean, I, 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 let me look at the last week. No, this, my, 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 the last week. This was. Uh, this was. Um... For
2: the last few weeks, I've just I've had people visiting and just sort of been doing tours around Japan with folks, and um, so I've that been kind of weird. out the loop for a lot of it. And <laughs> the last, like, big news was the the Reaper drone getting taken out, and then I've been slowly oh. catching up. Yeah,
1: it sounds really nice. I'd like to go on, Yeah, me cars are two around cars around of, right.
2: One. Just uh yeah, give me goes. the word.
1: I'll show you right around. <laughs> Get the chance to come out that way. Um here, let me uh see I can find this. Uh
2: it's probably absolutely completely absurd coming from British MPs though. Just uh putting yeah. that troops on the ground, sending to boys. Yeah. That's it. And they, look. They, they they went through years and years of shrinking the British armed forces, deliberately deliberately sort of mothballing stuff. Like the <laughs> the reason they've got tanks to give away is that they basically disbanded a whole bunch of their um, tank units, right?
1: Um, oh yeah, they, they went from they they cut yeah seventy five percent of their tanks. Mm. They're, cu- they're still cutting. Yeah, like they're gonna they're gonna cut that in half too. Yeah, like the the the, the British got another five billion dollars in funding for the military and their military is still shrinking somehow Mm -hmm. i don't even understand this well it it goes into the
2: psychological operations seventy seventh brigade all that they they think everything's being fought on the internet and
1: (laughs) i mean i they're certainly doing a hell of a job on the internet but unfortunately they're not doing a hell of a job on the ground (laughs) Mm -hmm. is that nafo thing still going Probably you still see those guys pop crop up occasionally. I'm, I, I'm, they're losers mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, losers on a glow op to boot. Um, mm-hmm. but so so this is a Ben Wallace back in this was lost further no longer than I thought it was back in back in February. Uh, but uh, Ben Wallace, who's the defense secretary of the UK, um, he made a. Sat down with BBC Radio 4 and claimed he made a series of claims. Uh, the Russian Federation had 97% of its army in Ukraine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah, Two-thirds of their entire tank fleet. Yeah. Uh that uh yeah, let's see, that they're they've taken massive losses of their combat effectiveness. They were attacking with first world war-style human waves. Mm. And that because of because of this, Europe's security has improved under his tenure. Mm,
2: yeah, like, well, th- this-, this was the shovels thing, right? This—that's th- where that came from. The, yeah, the, they were fighting the shovels. with
1: shovels. Yeah, the, the Russian reservists are are the Russian Russian conscripts are. I love how this is a self defeating talking point because not only are Russian conscripts fighting with shovels, but they're winning with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know,
2: I, I like I, said, I don't. I, 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 it's difficult for me. I, I don't. I, I don't want to picture it, but like the, what that fighting must be like, on on the ground where where you've got a clear, I don't know, street apartment
1: blocks, and um... it, it's terrible. And actually, I can I can tell you if you want to see something it's like, uh, uh, there it's actually on YouTube. Um, look up a it's on youtube and it's, it's it's a film so it's fake it's like not people getting actually killed but it's a okay. look up uh it's called the best in hell yes. on youtube and it's actually a like film the wagner group made like just Ooh. to sort of um kind of show people kind of what they what they did um and it's not like it's not like propagandistic they don't go into the morality of anything they're just like this is just how we fight and it's not, not like a propaganda piece. If you don't want to see like Russian propaganda, it's just. Um, like I, I it's don't. Just I don't find it on YouTube. I find
2: films yeah. about it. A technical review of Best in Hell. That what let, me, let me find it.
1: Okay, so if it's not in a technical review of Best in Hell.
2: it seems more like commentary. I don't know. Hopefully it was not taken down. Uh... I, I don't, I don't... Probably on Rumble. Let
1: me see. Day! Figured I would... Uh, I know, I know when it first came out, we were all kind of joking, like, I wonder how long it's gonna be until this thing gets taken down. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't think the f- actual original is there, so, I don't know. Yeah, it was on YouTube for a little while, I was able to watch it then. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll send you a link. Okay. If we can find this. Um, I'm sure it's uploaded somewhere. I'll send you a link and, mm. um... This is it something I want to watch I, though? I, watch,
2: like, I, watch, I mean, yeah. if,
1: if you want to, I mean, I'd say it's a, it's... Is, is it the Wagner Hammer? <laughs> no, it's not, it's not the Wagner Hammer. It's, okay. um, I'd say it's one of the best depictions of like, not just like combat, but just the, uh, how, you know, even just, you know, dudes going through a building is being supported by so much stuff behind them and mm-hmm. all the, like... You've got like the fight between the infantry but it's also all these different other fights going on around them at higher levels mm. which they go into um so, is, I mean, is, it's is it in like, english
2: or subtitled oh, wow. it, it's, it's, subtle,
1: but it's not like a propaganda piece at all really Okay, it's uh, just sort of um, maybe, maybe, like maybe I'll... In <laughs> right
2: i, I mean I'll, I'll do a screening of it i guess for historical purposes if they're taking it um off yeah. the internet but um the you know as a artillery trained individual i mean okay you you drop your shells on and what have you in that that urban environment i mean how how much do you have to be dug in to get through that right i mean it's
1: because it uh, d- depends on the size of the shell but i mean a lot of the time it's you need uh, I think the rule of thumb is for even light artillery rounds, you need about a meter of earth over your head. Um, okay. For heavier stuff, you need you need to go deeper. Um,
2: but once once you know, once there's all that concrete and rubble and um, I imagine, I imagine it's very hard to unless you know directly where someone is. It must be very yeah. hard to to take people out, you know, from ten ten kilometers away. Especially like.
1: Especially like reinforced concrete buildings, you can shell those things forever and they won't fall over. Mm, yeah, um, yeah, it's funny, right? Reinforced just, concrete is incredible. Rubble piles that are still. <laughs> yeah, it's like completely just destroyed inside, but it's still standing somehow, <laughs> and they're still shooting out of it. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, and like I say, I watched this footage, man. Of them, they have to go room to room, and I, I yeah. can't, I can't imagine. But I suppose once you've done it a couple of times. <laughs> I guess I guess the the nerves wear off, but um i mean that's that's literal mixed bayonets get in there, and I, don't, I it's just I'm trying to imagine just trying to change mags and stuff in that in that sort of environment where someone's literally i don't, it could be sort of just round the corner right you you have to it could be on like six inches of concrete the other side of you and. Yeah, there's all hell breaking loose around it. Must be a nightmare. I was terrifying stuff. Yeah, sure. Wow. That, like I said, the fact that this is a card that the technocrats wanted to play, man,
1: so gross. So gross. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know, it to the tune of you know hundreds of thousands of people dying.
2: So yeah. and it's and fine. to the, to the point where. I don't, I don't know what's. I, I I presume there's some contractual
1: agreement for you, for you, right? That you you could be me. Uh, actually, no. I'm I'm separated from the military, so I mean, I have a contractual agreement, and as much as I have like a non-disclosure agreement with the U.S. government, but I'm mm. uh, I'm not like part of the inactive reserve right now. Okay, good. So, which doesn't mean they can't pass along, law and put me back in it <laughs> mm. but r- right now i have no immediate obligation to go go fight if if uh, uh uncle joe said uh, uncle joe thinks we need to go mess someone up
2: god i i hope not man and I, I just know too many people who are sort of ex ex-military have had to do their shit and just um you know they get to, look when you're young and stupid right it just that seems like a great idea doesn't it
1: yeah, well, when you when you're stupid, it's like hell yeah, I'll go to Afghanistan. Then you're then you're older and you're like, man, I, I mean, I'll tell you if, if this is something I you know agree with, I'd sign me up. But uh, I don't agree with this war. So mm, mm, yeah,
2: and look, like I say, the if you're Ukrainian, I I kind of get it. Polish, I kind of get wanting to get stuck in the fight, but um. This this isn't this isn't a fight that I'm. I didn't have a problem with Russians, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not our fight. Yeah. Like what if they want to? If Eastern Europeans want to kill each other, then you know what we can. They've been doing that for a long time. They're going to keep on doing it for a long time. And uh, we, uh, I don't I don't see what the. In fact, I have yet to have anyone articulate a what where the American national interest is in in this war beyond. I don't know, like Dan Crenshaw saying, like, "Oh, we're weakening Russia. This is cheap." And it's like, yeah, except the fact our economy's in the tank, and also, why do we want to weaken Russia? Where's the mm-hmm. Where's the national interest of that? Wow. Like,
2: so... I guess you could sell some liquid natural gas by a
1: ship. I, I, yeah, I mean, I guess right, it's good for the natural gas industry, which, when inflation is as high it is, as, it, as it is, uh, that's like that's like putting a maraschino you know, cherry on top of something unpleasant. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: I know what that unpleasant cool, no, no, thing no. is. I want to stay on stream. How's that? Oh, you can. I would.
1: Cherry <laughs> on it, uh, we know. <laughs> yeah, 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 It's like a maraschino cherry on top of uh, some 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 leavings. So. <laughs> but these... Um... it's like yeah, our natural gas industry is doing great, guys. Yeah, and the economy. Yeah, and gas is. You know, it was up for like six dollars a gallon over the summer, and mm. the economy's in the tank again. Yeah, and it, it, it's like yes, this is we're not directly spending a lot of money on this war indirectly it's the most expensive intervention we've ever done Mm. far away because of the harm to the the economic harm to everyone yeah so
2: yeah it's grim
1: yeah and we've got them off easy the europeans are taking it 10 times worse Mm.
2: yeah i like to say i've got well you know this is is what my mother said to me (laughs) this is a stupid anecdote right at the beginning of what she she was She's old, right? So she's just believing the the news as it's being drip fed to her, and she's, yeah. she's convinced that the ruskies are going to be rolling across Europe, like you know, like they were supposed to do in the fifties and sixties when she when she met my father in the air force, right? But that that's yeah. that's nearly seventy years ago, right? It's a different world, and I, I would I had to spend a long time just explaining to her that, that that's not not the world we live in now mother it's yeah. this is no, uh, I mean... but it's, it's a neocon
1: adventure um and it, it... Yeah, unfortunately i think there's there's a lot of people particularly in the old generation who got raised uh raised specifically to um have problems with russians wasn't even necessarily communism; was just Russians, mm. and well, uh, and yeah, you know, they they're, and some of them are still up for it.
2: Mm. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of strange because you know my my father had to do the his training and what have you, and he he got out and was um, he sort of imbued into me that uh, that that they aren't the problem that you think they are. Right, um, and I don't know I I sort of grew up with a more healthy skepticism of my own government and
1: institutions because of him. And yep. the well, I mean, I I think I was a I've always been a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. So I, but when you when you see um, people spinning bullshit about you know Bigfoot or whatever it's,
2: yeah, <laughs> man, I love a good Bigfoot story. Who doesn't? But, um, I like to think of two and a half meter tall hominids rampaging through the forests of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. look, man. Um, there's a lot of America, right? That there ain't no civilization there, bro.
1: There's really not a lot of civilization, a lot of this country, a lot of empty forested. Yeah, people see the damn things an awful lot for them to be completely fake. <laughs> so. mm. Mm.
2: I had, I had, let's say I'm, I, I I'm in the Jane Goodall camp. <laughs> she, yeah, she said the uh, same thing. I just there's a, It would be nice to think that there would. Uh, we haven't despoiled the earth so much that there's a yeah. cousin out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, considering that if people are. Uh... I mean, it, like rumors of a new species of chimpanzees. will spend a, send a thousand, we'll send a hundred academics with mm. millions of dollars of grant funding into into East Africa. That um, yeah, that that
2: happened recently.
1: You know, oh yeah, but, yeah. There's like a rumor that was like some chimpanzee subspecies, yeah, ape. Billy ape. And, yeah, Billy, yeah. Billy ape. Um, people were and... couldn't get enough of it, but mm. somehow, you know, people see people see monkeys in North America all the time, and you can't yeah you you can't get people interested in it Mm. they don't care (laughs) yeah
2: and i i guess i guess the only the the only counter to that is there's so many people hunting with uh, you know (laughs) you've got some big ass animals on that continent bro (laughs) so so hunters going out into the and look i know i know a few who do that right and surely someone would have shot one by now
1: right? i mean i've i've heard of people shooting a couple of them but it was usually like you know situations where they're hunting illegally or something and also i mean hunters don't generally shoot at things they don't they don't recognize especially if they're standing on two legs Right, right. I That's guess. yeah. Basic, basic hunting safety is one: really, don't shoot anything that walks on two legs, and don't mm-hmm. shoot anything you haven't positively identified. Mm-hmm. I don't but, know. Like, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, pe- people see them. They apparently, even if they're armed, they don't really want. They've, they don't really take shots at them.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I it's there's a. Uh... Yeah, I. It, it, I defer to Jane Goodall. She's the primate expert, and if she's if she's open to there being a hominid like that, I am too. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to reject. We, you know, it wasn't so long ago that we found uh, what they called *fiorensis*, the little. Um, oh yeah, the little uh, new, hobbits, what else, right? Like the little Indonesian hobbits, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that you know that was that
1: was fairly recent archaeology and oh, yeah those those were alive quite recently and um, yeah probably several thousand years ago.
2: Yeah. And you, you can um what's the Cro Magnon man. Have you have you ever looked at a cro Magnon skull compared to a human skull? No. Oh yeah, pull that yeah. up dude. Right that that it's <laughs> orders of magnitude bigger. And I wanna say oh, Cro Magnons yeah. were around at least fifty thousand years ago. Cromagnon. Oh. Uh, i don't know i want i want to say it's like 30% bigger brain case something stupid like that
1: um, oh yeah i think i think neanderthals had like a noticeably bigger brain than, than modern humans mm. uh, wow. oh i'm not so sure I'm trying I'm to what's... remember if, if cro-magnon is a neanderthal or not i might no
2: no the the different um, was the early Homo sapiens. Yeah. Um this. I'm not sharing my screen, I know. am I? Hang on, give me a second. Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing
1: you know, I'm seeing your screen on the stream. Oh okay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm watching the stream.
2: Okay. So there, right? So that there, there was a a recognized right? say seven and a half foot tall.
1: Oh yeah. It's like <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Seven and a half foot tall Cro-Magnon running around—that's that's nuts. I didn't know about that.
2: Yeah, and I wanted—I wanted to say, yeah, at least uh, human remains twenty-eight thousand. Yeah, so within fifty thousand years. Oh yeah,
1: yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, that, that, yeah, I have heard a lot of stuff about like giant, like historical giants. I haven't looked mm. too far into it, but that's that's crazy.
2: But yeah, Cro-Magnon is a is a thing, and yeah. the um, I don't know. I mean, how how many? feet is Bigfoot supposed to be?
1: Like around that. Um, although
2: they, they can get bigger, I've heard up to nine, ten feet. Okay. It's so just a big cry magnon then. <laughs> yeah.
1: Big boy. <laughs> and, and there's there's some crazy legends about it. I mean like, like 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 stuff that I mean you can make an amazing action movie about. There's um I was uh there's this YouTube channel called the Lore Lodge I've been watching, but um they had a, they did a video on like uh, literally how like the Iroquois were fighting a war against like Sasquatch who would, you know, oh. you know like, like the Sasquatch would like like roll in the mud and then they'd like roll in like rocks and stuff several times to make their so that their whole body would just get like covered in rocks and then become just impervious to arrows and like go out and fight the Iroquois. <laughs> the Iroquois Indians, you mean? Yeah, yeah, like the Iroquois Indians, you know, like okay. the Native Americans fighting like a fighting like a life or death struggle against Sasquatch. I mean, Hollywood, get on that, please. That sounds yeah. that's great. <laughs> that would be awesome. That's uh, did you?
2: I don't, I don't know. You were in Afghanistan, the Kandahar uh, man.
1: Did you ever hear about that? I, I've heard about it online. Now I was not in Afghanistan, but I've, I've heard rumors about that, but nothing from like. All like on the internet, nothing from actually inside the military like No,
2: no, no, uh, no secret details. You could. No,
1: uh, I, I never, I never heard from any spooky people. Like, yeah, we found a ten foot dude who killed some more guys. <laughs> that, that, that's that sounds like some Reddit freaky pasta shit. <laughs> mm,
2: I, I mean, I don't know. Like I said, I, was, I, yeah. I just heard the the rumors and look, no, I, I do
1: I can tell you, I never, at any point in my military career, heard anything about that. <laughs> okay,
2: <laughs> is that is that that non-disclosure agreement you were mentioning
1: earlier? No, that's that's not even. I can just tell you, I never heard anything about that. Okay,
2: <laughs> but that's a, that's a crazy story, right? If it's true that um yeah. they had to send oh a
1: yeah, oh squad up there. He's a yeah, cannibal. No, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah well, we're not we're not in confirmed deny territory here. We're just in deny.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, The thing oh, is. Yeah. From a military perspective, if you could get your hands on like a living specimen like that, this this is where all the genetic engineering yeah. would would come in and. That'd be, uh, that'd be
1: scary, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, anyways, I think this is probably a. Yes. Probably what? Once you moment reach that Bigfoot, that's. A, no, we're talking about Bigfoot and uh, the Giant of Kandahar and I. If, if this keeps us much longer, we're going to start talking about UFOs. So. I love it. We should just do a US stream. World recently, so. Wow.
2: Do you, do you believe that? I, I don't know what to make of that.
1: Uh, oh, the. the well, There's, there I mean, now, first of all, just to preface this, the UFO community is full of crazy people and it's very, like, kind of internally schizophrenic. And also, I'm not part of it at all. Hmm. I only follow UFOs very casually. <laughs>
2: well, I, I love them as a kid, right? And so, Oh, yeah. Same, same
1: here. Um, but, but I mean, I think it was. It was sort of the 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 new story of the decade that wasn't was the fact that u.s navy came out was like like did the disclosure that everyone had been been looking for Mm -hmm. for decades they're like yeah these are real objects we've run into them plenty of times Mm. and we don't know what they are and they're they have crazy you know properties and capabilities and they they were totally upright about forthright about that and it's almost like it goes it's almost like the going back to the illuminati you know the the mm. illuminati the regime right it's almost like this sort of got released to almost uh tank the story because mm. it got released and the mainstream media showed very little interest
2: joe and, rogan did though that's all that counts
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it got released and the media showed the media like yawned over it for some reason and then we haven't heard any much about it since mm. it's mm. almost like they'd it's almost like they uh, intentionally skunked something. I don't know I
2: don't know what. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's I, I I don't know what to make it it's just uh what runs through my mind is the Werner von Braun. Um I don't know what how much is myth or whatever, but you know, that once once the deck is run out with respect to you know, controlling the plebs on the planet comes yeah. space wars, right? And so you know i don't know how did you ever do any project blue beam that, a, uh, that i haven't the
1: project blue beam although i'm sure it's some wacky wacky stuff mm. um i'm not even saying that to be like oh i'm not even saying the poop to poo poo it i'm just saying i'm sure it's just some out there stuff and probably a lot of it is real
2: <laughs> well i i don't know just even if you were sort of spoofing radars and holograms in the the sky i mean there, there is a million. Wasn't potential. that, like some
1: plan to like fake an alien invasion or something?
2: Well that's that's the Werner von Braun um deathbed confession, right? That there that eventually comes the um the fake alien invasion. And, yeah. Um I guess if the mechanisms Well, well are- I mean, considering you can identify as anything
1: these days i a surprised.
2: like <laughs> Wolverine Manage.
3: <laughs> right
2: and uh as long as you just gun down christian kids you you can uh you can get away with uh wow you can get away with murder now
1: no yeah. we really can unfortunately
2: mm. yeah all right dude. I'll yeah
1: was a, it was a good one dude thank you Oh, yeah great it's been great talking we we really need to do this more often yeah 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 <laughs> Um,
2: like I say you can do a weekly you can do a weekly slot, bro. I um but like I say, I, I try my best to cover the the I don't know, the media spin on spin on stuff and just what yeah. looks absurd. And I don't I, I see too many people who are I don't know, couch warriors, I guess is a a, a mm-hmm. word. Way of Uh, putting it and i try to make a point of just speaking to military and ex-military types and that's i I, only because i i part part of me thinks that if shit's going down (laughs) globally i want to i want to at least know people who can operate under pressure right yeah that's that's my sort of reasoning and whether whether i've got a bolt from here or so, someone's got a you've got leg it from every you, you've uh plotted yourself up that yeah you know i can say i've i've worked at building out that type of network and the this is why i'm sort of anything that i sort of make i'm investing it into building out the having a server architecture and so there's a, a portal into the wind uh the internet that's outside the purview of these, well, I would consider Bolshevik tendencies mm-hmm. coming through, and if that seems like a worthwhile
1: fight to me, no, um, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, we're uh, the, the the way I the way I think about it is, um, we're. So this is all I've seen a lot of the time. Is usually what actually happens is worse than what what you foresee as being the worst case scenario. Uh. Say that again, what, what you... Uh, I said, well, what, what usually ends up happening is much worse than what you foresee as being oh, the worst right. case mm. scenario out of any given thing. Mm. Um, yeah,
2: I mean, who would have predicted what we're dealing with right now? Yeah, <laughs>
1: well, okay, not only who would have predicted, okay, Russia's going to invade Ukraine, but also it's going to turn into this kind of shit show, which is... It's, it, in a lot of ways, it's worse than the worst case scenario for both sides.
3: Mm.
1: <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's much it just... nastier than... Worst possible scene. outcome <laughs>
2: possible in, in any, I I, I know it's just another question for you, Brian, (laughs) you regret saying,
1: uh, do it more often. Well, I probably did. (laughs) Uh, I I, I do. I do enjoy talking to them. I'm not sure I'm up for three hour stream every week, but I'm sure they certainly have to talk to you much more quickly.
2: Yes. Yes. Um, well, you know, I, I guess if things just snowball from now and. Well, we said this last time, and we've just had the back meat grinder for three
1: months. The the Russians spent all winter punching away on almost the same front line. Mm. (laughs) So, Mm. I mean, I think what we'll need to see is, well, come the spring is, come the spring, the thing's going to start moving again. I think they have to start moving again. I'm not sure what direction they're going to move in. Um, And I'm not sure, uh, but I mean, I think think the Russians are, are... I mean, I think my bottom line is the Russians are well prepared to, um, to change things up in their favor significantly come the spring.
3: Mm.
1: Oh. We can,
2: but wait, right? So. Yep. Got to have to find out. All right, I'll, I'll let you go and uh, you have a good weekend.
1: Absolutely. You too. You, you as well.
2: Mine's, mine's over with now. <laughs> Just, no. Um <laughs> you take care bro i'll see you in the next one bye bye all right folks there you go uh um where was i uh yeah i think i'm gonna wrap up folks let me just see i want to say thank you to uh someone sent a dono earlier uh danger mouse thank you much much appreciated and uh let me just check uh, the other. Um, revenue streams (laughs) keep the duck in the fight uh no that's wrong tab how do i switch off does anyone know like google now shuts down web pages right you open it and then it goddamn has to reload again (laughs) and how do you switch that off they've they've touted it as a memory saving uh feature recently and um (laughs) fuck them (laughs) It, wre- it wrecks everything. I can't just click on a tab. It has to reload. So uh, I want to say thank you to Laura. You can both have a Chemical Alley. He was just a piker. Bring back Chemical Alley. <laughs> More sane times. All right, let me do that and uh yes lots of I see lots of thanks maybe I should I should of course attend to the chat just see if there's questions in there really really quick um let's see the craziest thing about this conflict so far is that friggin' PMC has been able to defeat all of NATO to me this is absolutely bonkers yes um let's <laughs> see also says Koked from Kiev and his little hat masters from dc are true monsters from pushing all those people into certain death well brands what can i say they always always come through uh let's see for every dead there are seven injured <laughs> yeah. like, like i said i have watched this footage right and like the this drone dropping hand grenades onto people right it seems it seems quite an effective strategy but you watch that and then you just watch the dudes writhing around. <laughs> I'm ground. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, so, did it cover the Tungsten? Uh, it's the revenge for the pogroms. Is, is it? Uh, look at Running the War. Newland, Blinken, Kagan. It's all about pogroms. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I know about uh, Newland's family being from Odessa. Uh, let's see, remember before the war when the German Defence Minister quit because of the way they were treating Papi Putin? I don't. Russia has a strong culture and is resilient. Putin did not want to enter into NATO and could have placed restraints and a stepping stone to being led into the EU. They turned down. Um, I don't want to see, look, right, <laughs> being, being the nationalist that I am, I liked... Yeah, look the the wars and the bloody history, etc. Um, well, all bank wars. But I liked France and Germany and Italy being these separate, different countries and entities. Right, making them all operate under the, uh unified currencies and um, <laughs> bureaucracy and legislation hasn't hasn't helped those countries in my mind. And uh, let's let's wind back. The clock a little bit uh, mentions about new um Yeah, look, that's that's a hypothesis that I think um, it can't be dismissed, so um, you, you, it must be entertained at some level. And I guess time will tell. Uh, let's see, US Navy will be fucked if we go after China. A ships are full to fight a fort. Our blue navy will be at the bottom of the sea. Ships are fooled to fight a fort. Mm, interesting. Never heard that before. Uh, let's see. India will never side US against China. India will never side with the US against China. India can give China a bloody. Yeah, I'm sure India can, but um beyond the beyond like the Himalayas and that that region, I I, I can't see India driving into the Chinese heartlands. Um but yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure India could uh <laughs> they could get into it on the border, that's for sure. Let's see. Uh South Korea still bans Fukushima food projects. Do they? I don't know. I eat it. Uh let's see. Japan is now trying to attract immigrants. Ah, hardly. <laughs> Uh, Let's see, Japan's government also made a plan to get single people to start dating and have kids They unveiled Japan like a few days ago Oh, interesting, let's have a look Um, Look man, all all I can say is um, I fancy my boys odds when they uh, (laughs) When they come of age (laughs) Oops, I wanted a link, surely Japan avails proposals to promote marriage. Raise birth rate. Nice. I'm all for it. Uh Yes. Yeah, last chance for Japan to reverse its declining births. Yeah, let's say I put my boys to work. <laughs> I will encourage them that they are allowed four wives. And, um, <laughs> go out and, uh, multiply. Um. <laughs> uh, Radicalism in young women and in politics, media is all we have. Um, I I would, I agree. And, you know, the question is how to, how to rein it in. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure. There's a... Look... We can go. We can put burkas on those bitches. Um, do that. We oh, gotta be careful. Voice next to me. <laughs> uh, don't care. Careful. Um, but uh, I don't know. You know, we we need to encourage young girls to think that motherhood isn't the um trap that feminists have painted it to be, and I. I don't know, that's a that's a multi-generational battle. Uh let's see The sanctimonious kissed uh, so that's DeSantis, obviously. <laughs> kissed. Uh wait for it.
1: The Jew. Uh
2: but uh, during a Piers Morgan interview. Um, yeah, look, he's he's very much uh in bed with um
3: Jews and um best in
2: hell from Armchair Ward. Nice. Um I guess I guess we'll have a watch party for this maybe later. How long is it? It's an hour and forty nine minutes. Um, so maybe maybe I'll do a stream later this evening um, let's see did that did that uh, British troops wouldn't last a week in Ukraine look man the, the, <laughs> Brits can rock up and fuck your day up right that, that, that much is sure um, the question is can, can they out muscle Russia by themselves no way no I don't think so um so uh, pulling british troops into ukraine would just be a stupid um stupid move uh let's see here's the working video thank you thank you i've got it um i think so i'll I'll do a watch party of this and i'll host it on wtyl um uh let's see there's chimpanzee in the white house (laughs) Funny. Uh we have Yeti in the Punjab. Um maybe that's the Kandahar man. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? But any and look, Chrome Magnon is a real thing, right? And that's seven and a half foot tall. So, you know, maybe it's just uh the little enclaves of Chrome Magnons everywhere. Uh Ayahuasca man says he saw a bigfoot in Arkans Ark ah Ar- Arkansas? Is that who you oh, say? Yeah. Let's see, we've received 100 messages, messages are slow today, uh, let's see, a bunch of NBA players walking around, LeBron is cro magnum is he? I don't know, uh, yet, yet he is 10 foot tall with big feet, <laughs> <laughs> if it bleeds we can kill it, yes, um, Lots of uh, lots of love for Armchair Boardlord. Good um, Identify as a Russian bot. <laughs> okay. And yeah, lots of thanks to uh, Isla. And um, yeah, he knows his stuff. And um, you know, <laughs> if you want uh, Western spin on everything, there's a million channels you can go and watch. Um, this isn't one of them, I'm afraid. Uh, let's see. Once the stream is over, you can catch the last lap laps of the Grand Prix, Kev, if you want to. Uh I know, I make a point of um trying not to get too sucked into bread and circuses. It is uh mm, I don't know. Fuck it, I'll watch Grand Prix. Alright, folks, I'm out of here. Take care, God bless, and I will see you in the next one. Maybe tonight we'll watch uh, Best in Hell. Um Sounds interesting. All
1: right. Take care, folks. Bro, you don't know how angry I am. You do, like, I was just leaving for fucking work. You do not understand our fucking pissed off after reading that little line. I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. Fuck these papers! I will fucking kill each fucking kappa. I swear. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people
2: don't know who the fuck they actually play. Fuck these kappas. No fucking
0: vaccine or MIA will ever throw through my fucking blood blood. Never. I will fucking die. Fucking fighting for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my fucking village.
2: These motherfuckers!
1: All that's five. this guy.